is this whole controlled opposition thing becoming a big problem for people that are interested in truth? Well, it is. I mean, there's certainly a certain amount of controlled opposition, but there's also the program that has been put into people's minds that, you know, one of the elite at some stage way back when said, we will control all opposition against us. And so that program has gone into people's minds. So if you start making a bit of a difference, like my channel's really taken off in the last year or so, the last 18 months. I've got like over 100,000 subscribers in the last 18 months. And so people are saying, well, if the channel's gotten this big so quickly, you must be controlled opposition because they will lead all, all opposition against us. That's the problem, you see. And um, people are in this, this very um, polarized kind of mindset as well where they, they go down a rabbit hole and they get certain information, they take it on as a truth, and then anybody who disagrees with any aspect of it, I say, is controlled opposition. So it's a program as well. I mean, certainly there is a lot of controlled opposition, but certainly not everybody is controlled. I mean, people have different ideas, they have access to different information, and they form their own opinions on this information, and so they're going to put forth a different idea. You know, people have to be prepared to look at all of this stuff and realize that nobody really knows for sure what's going on. We've all been given breadcrumbs and little snippets of information, most of which has been falsified anyway. So it's very difficult to know. And we have to be prepared to respect each other's opinions and allow other people to think differently and realize that not everybody is against us. We actually all have a common foe here. And uh, get a little bit of focus in this and stop thinking everybody is controlled. But again, like I said, there is a certain amount of controlled opposition for sure, you know. But I mean, anybody who's telling you they know and you should follow them in this direction, I would suggest is someone to be very wary of because ultimately, like I said, nobody really knows. We're all in the process of finding out. Yeah, it could definitely be bad to do too much finger-pointing because that not only makes it harder to find any common ground, but it, it could turn people off entirely to uh, you know be involved in truth sort of stuff. It can turn into a witch hunt rather quickly. I can, and you, you tend to spend so much time defending yourself against people who should be on the same side as you. I mean, I do this. I spend so much time defending myself against trolls and attackers and these are the very people that I'm trying to help rescue and trying to help bring to freedom. And these people are people who want freedom as well, and yet they're distrustive of me because I have a different opinion to them on something. I mean, it's all self-defeating. You know, it, we, we are our, our own worst enemy in regard to the resistance. You know, the division and the infighting and the need to hack everybody down, it, it doesn't get anywhere. Like I said, we've got a common focus. We've got a common foe. You know, our governments are not doing the right thing. The all world governments are one big international criminal cabal, and they're doing the wrong thing in every single aspect of, of our lives. Everything they do to us, the food they're feeding us, the vaccines, the pollution, everything they're doing. And we need to get some focus there rather than, than hacking each other down and preventing the resistance from ever growing into anything that is going to be workable and usable and a, a real force for change, you know. How about this whole flat earth thing? Is there any legitimacy to that, or could that be just another one of these tricks or um, psyops in order to kind of get people divided and confused about things? Well, it's certainly done that. Um, you know, personally, I don't, I don't buy into any model that we've been so far given. I don't um, think that the globe model we're given is correct. 
It may be correct in some aspects, it may be incorrect in others, but it certainly doesn't answer all the questions. But it's the same with the flat earth debate, it just doesn't answer all the questions. No model that we're given answers all the questions. And, you know, people can just choose which side of that argument they want to be on, and it depends on what evidence you choose to believe. Both sides of the argument will adamantly claim, they will fight to the death that they are right and they are correct and that you are an idiot if you believe differently to they do. Both sides will do that. You know, so it's not a debate that I care to enter. It's a circular argument and it will never be solved without freedom. And the very argument itself and the division the argument creates is one of the very things that is preventing that division from ever being achieved. So to me, it's a, it's a completely pointless exercise. You know, we're in a real um, opportunity for freedom here, and we're in a very, very dangerous situation. We have a clear and present danger that we're facing. Um, a massive depopulation event, I would suggest, is on the cards, simply because all the dominoes have been put in place. You know, and, and you look at what they've done to the human species just in my lifetime, how things have changed in the last 60 years. I mean, we're, we're heading for a pretty dangerous situation, so... You know, I think the whole debate has been designed to create division. Whether the Earth is a globe or whether it's flat, it's the polarised attitude and the unwillingness to compromise, the unwillingness to discuss. It, it's all about argument and, and the, the sheer animosity. You know, this is, and if you do not believe this is, then you are a retarded idiot. That's the attitude that people have. And if people can't see that's a play, well, there's probably very little hope for us, you know, but it is. The, the whole thing is a play. Would you say that education plays a big part in this um, to to uh, take young folk and uh, form a certain world model within their heads and also to kind of condition them to um, not fight back against authority? Do you, do you think education might have been compromised in some way? Oh, absolutely. Education. We don't have education in the world today. We have indoctrination, uh, indoctrination into the system. And one of the main goals of the education system is to instill an unquestionable belief in authority in people. And that's the problem. You know, people just go through life with this thing in their, in their minds that they must obey and do what they're told. And that's mainly what school does. It teaches people a false history, trains people to be good functioning little cogs in the, in the big machine. And it squashes all independent thought. That's the main purpose of the education system. You know, and when they created mandatory education, they, they take your children away from you, you know, and keep them for eight hours a day and teach them God knows what at a very early age. Of course, this is hugely um, detrimental to children. It's hugely, you know, a, a thing that is hugely responsible for the state of the world that we're in today. And people just don't question. They're trained not to question and they're taught what to think, not how to think. And yeah, this is a huge problem. You know, government-controlled education, you can just look at the dumbing down of people. Look at the, the loss of skills of people over the last few generations, how they keep lowering the passing grades, you know, the gradual dumbing down of people. And when you think about it, it's a government-controlled education. The government's got plenty of money and they get what they pay for. If they didn't want the people becoming stupid, then they wouldn't be training them to become stupid. So, of course, it's all part of the plan and it's all very, very... Um, manipulative and it's all very controlled and it's all meant to be that way. How badly is the mainstream media controlled? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the mainstream media, I mean, it, it's it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. The mainstream media is, is virtually an unofficial mouthpiece for government now 
You know, they certainly don't report the uh, facts. They certainly don't report government corruption. You find that there's gagging orders with most of the media anyway. They'll get in trouble if they support government or, or report government corruption. You know, it's actually a crime in some places to report crimes by politicians. I mean, what's that all about? You know, so, yeah, the media is hugely responsible. The media basically carries out propaganda of war most of the time. It's supporting international war crimes all over the world. And propaganda of war is one of the worst war crimes you can carry out, really, because without the propaganda of war, you, you cannot commit the crimes. You cannot commit the genocides. You cannot commit the bombing raids and use banned chemical weapons and all the things that happen. You can't kill children in the, the manner that we do and the volume that we do without the media being complicit in this by failing to report it. I mean, the war that's going on in Yemen, one of the longest bombing campaigns in the history of war, it's been going on for almost four years now. They're expecting 10 million people to die of starvation by the end of the year, mostly children in Yemen, all being supplied with, with weapons from the United States. But it isn't even reported. It's, it was on the news, I think, once this year. It's been on the, the US news, the, the conflict in Yemen, just a passing mention. You know, these sorts of things, I mean, it's absolutely atrocious. And the media is responsible for all this. Without the complicity of the media, none of it can happen. You know, if the media were to inform the people of what's really going on in the world, we could change the world in a day. You know, that, that's why the independent media and the alternate media has come about, in just as a, as a desperate attempt to bring real information to people and encourage some form of thinking in the minds of the populace these days, because we just don't have it anymore. And the media is hugely complicit in this would you say a lot of the manipulation is this uh, sort of left versus right stuff like this uh, liberal sort of mentality versus the conservative mentality but not really real but more like controlled and almost like pro wrestling where two sides are kind of set in opposition with each other would, would you say that that's kind of true that left versus right manipulation Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there is no left and there is no right. It's all, it's all the same thing. It's all the different faces of the same coin. And we've seen this in the independent media, the alternate media now as well. Um, people are calling themselves, you know, alt-left or alt-right. There is no left. There is no right. There's freedom and there's slavery. That's it. You know, and if you're going to create little boundaries and borders within that, then you're part of the problem. It's as simple as that. How about Donald Trump? Is he a member of the elite? Is he the elite that a lot of people think that he's actually against? Look, I think he's part of the play. I think he's just the Trump card that they're playing. You know, you don't get to that position if you're not a player. And, you know, he may have done some things, but really, when you, when you put it in, in context with the world situation, consider the fact that this is all one big crime family, then... You know, he's, he's part of the club. He's absolutely part of the club. If you look at the Chinese One Belt, One Road system, how this is coming online, all the new economic trade agreements that are coming online, you know, for this to happen, if you look at the One Belt, One Road system, it, it doesn't include the United States. And for, for Europe and everybody to embrace this Chinese system, they need to pull away from America. And Trump's giving them the excuse to do that. These isolationist policies, this make America great again thing that he's doing is basically just pulling America away from the rest of the world. Everyone's thinking, yeah, this is great. You know, the patriots, the nationalistic pride and all this sort of stuff, bring the industry back here and all this sort of stuff. Great. Yeah, we should have industry in all of our countries, but there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. And with the trade tariffs and everything he's doing, he's just providing the excuse for everyone to switch over to the Chinese system. 
And if everyone does switch over to the Chinese system, then the United States will lose its place as a global reserve currency because there's no reason for the world to continue trading in U.S. dollars if the U.S. isn't the, the head of trade. So that's all about to change. People don't realize how they're being set up for all this. You know, I absolutely think Trump is a player. Um, he, he's, uh, he could have done much more than what he's done. When he, as soon as he was sworn in, he could have pointed to the left and said, arrest that woman. That would have uh, given me a little bit of confidence in him. He didn't do that. And uh, I hear that he's blocking the investigations into Hillary Clinton. I haven't confirmed it, but I hear tell that he is. So, and the support that he gives to Israel and that the funding that he's giving to Saudi Arabia so they continue the genocide of Yemen, the move of, of moving the, uh, the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem in Israel and emboldening the Israelis so they continue carrying out genocide of the Palestinian people. I mean, People need to look at all this. Um, yeah, he's a player. It seems obvious to me that he's a player. And yeah, he used to go out and drink and party with the Clintons. He's been friends with Bibi Netanyahu for most of his life. Yeah, he's a player. Were Saudi Arabia and Israel, were they um, helping create the uh, 9-11 uh, false flag? I would suggest that Israel was behind the 9-11 false flag attack. It, it has Israeli fingerprints all over it. I mean, Israel had been attempting to get the United States to um, launch attacks against the Arab world for years, and it didn't happen until the 9-11 attacks. You know, the, the, the uh, five dancing Israelis that were arrested that were there to document the attacks in, uh, on the World Trade Center as well in New York that day, they were arrested. They were up on a roof. They were filming the attacks. And they were very happy at what was going on. They were clapping each other on the back and dancing around. And someone thought they were terrorists and reported it to the police. They came and arrested them. They later released them because they were Mossad and they sent them back to Israel. They were interviewed on, on Israeli TV and said, yes, we were there to document the event, which means they knew it was going to happen. I mean, how did they know it was going to happen? Even if Israel didn't do it, that puts these five Mossad ancients as being uh, guilty before the fact, and therefore they are complicit. Therefore, they are accomplices. You know, so you know, why hasn't any of this ever been investigated? You know, it's got Israeli fingerprints all over it. Just the whole war on terror has Israeli fingerprints all over it. You know, with the uh, recent advent of ISIS, we've seen that ISIS commanders are being trained in the Golan Heights by Israeli generals and Israeli commanders. Israel is giving them logistic support, medical aid, all sorts of stuff. US is doing arms drops to them for years. And all they're really doing in Syria is wiping out the infrastructure wiping out all Muslim infrastructure, all the old buildings. They've reduced Aleppo to just about rubble. I mean, it's all about destroying the country, the same as they did with Libya. The first thing they did in Libya was go and bomb the great man-made river to oblivion, which was an incredible. It was the eighth, eighth wonder of the world, which had brought water right through Libya. It was, it was an incredible achievement by Gaddafi, and they turned all that to rubble. I mean, look at Syria. Look what they've done to it. And look at Libya, what they've done to the, the whole country. And look what they've done to Afghanistan, what they've done to Iraq. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's disgusting. But Israel and Saudi Arabia are definitely working together. Even if you go looking at the history of Saudi Arabia, you'll find that there was a, a king in Saudi Arabia called King Faisal, who was the original king of Saudi Arabia, and he said to the U.S. that you need to stop supporting Israel in its attack against the Palestinian people. And the United States government said, well, don't, don't say that. If you say that, we'll stop buying your oil. And he said, well, don't worry about it. We won't sell you the oil. You know, we'll go back to eating dates. You're the ones who want oil. We don't, we don't care. We'll go back to eating dates and drinking milk the way we did before you came along. 
So they deposed him and they put in the Saudi family, which is a Jewish family which has simply taken on the title of Saudi and they've set themselves up as the royals of Arabia and they are the most extremist Wahhabist um, regime you've ever seen, which of course has turned the entire world against Islam. Yeah, but they're not true Islam. It's, it, the whole thing is a scam, you know. I mean, and I don't support any religion. I think all religion is, is demented. I really do. I think it's caused so many problems. But, you know, everything is a play. That's the thing. You know, the whole Saudi situation is a play. And even when you look at the so-called 19 hijackers, they were all apparently Saudis. So why do we go and bomb Afghanistan if they are all Saudis? Yeah, and it was because Osama bin Laden was apparently hiding there. So we go and bomb Afghanistan, and then who gets the contract to rebuild Afghanistan but the bin Laden building company? I mean, if people can't see that this whole thing's a scam, there's probably no hope for us, brother. Do you feel that it was as, or 9-11, I mean, was it as we saw it? Was it planes crashing into buildings? Or could it have been holograms or some sort of beam technology? What do you think about that whole thing that goes on? Well, that's another one of these rabbit holes that we can get into and debate, and nobody really knows the finer details of, you know. Um, when you look at it, it seems very, very unlikely that passenger jets could have gone through a steel frame building the way it was depicted on television. It doesn't make sense at all. I mean, these are aluminium planes, these are aluminium wings that are apparently full of fuel that should have exploded on impact on the outside of that building. I've been to the World Trade Center. It was a big building. Steel girders on the outside. I can't see how a plane could possibly have flown through those steel girders and left that beautifully plane-shaped hole. It simply does not make sense. You know, and when you look at the delay that was uh, in the film, in the, in the feed, it was like a 15-second delay in the feed. I actually did a test myself and tried inserting some fake model planes into a video feed and seeing if I could get it done in 15 seconds, and I did. I got it done in about 12. It was enough time to actually do it, but not enough time to fix up any mistakes. There actually appears to be a couple of mistakes in the footage as well. I mean, you could have easily shot a missile into each of those buildings and had shape charges put in there to blow the, the pylons out. It could have been very easily done that way. There was work done on the buildings prior to the attacks, which would suggest this is what was done. Um, if you really look at the AWAC that was seen in the area as well, and I saw one piece of video footage of this AWAC on the news when it was being transmitted at the time on the day, but I never, ever saw it again. I wish someone had got it on video. But if you really look at the, uh, the time frame, if there was an AWAC that shot a missile into one tower, then flew around and shot a missile into the other tower, and then flew to Shanksville and dropped some debris, and then flew to Washington and shot a missile into the Pentagon, it's about the right flight time. And there was one piece of video footage that I saw, and there was an AWAC flying away from above the Pentagon at a time when all the airspace was apparently shut down and no planes were allowed to fly. And I remember wondering, what was this white plane up in the sky? What was this? And it looked like an AWAC. So it's very possible that the whole thing was staged and they simply shot missiles in there. They simply overlaid some planes into the, uh, into the video footage and, and called it as, as the way they did. But the whole thing could have been fake. There may have been no planes involved at all. An interesting thing is that the, um, the planes that were apparently involved, the serial numbers of those planes, these planes are actually still in commission. They're still in, in service. So that's another interesting point about that as well. 
You know, and a lot of people may debate that and say, oh, well, we saw planes. Well, there's certain missiles that they have that have little wings that look like a plane from a distance. And, you know, in that time frame, it would be very difficult to know if what you were seeing was an actual plane or whether it was a missile with wings. And, you know, the news footage, which is drummed into you over and over again for the whole day afterwards and keeps telling you two planes, two planes and showing you this footage, it's going to put it into your mind and you're going to be believing it after a while. So, you know, anything's possible. I'm, I'm quite open to anything being possible on the day. I'm quite open to the buildings being brought down with explosives and thermite or directed energy weapons or both. You know, I'm quite open to all of it. I mean, anything is possible and it all should be put on the table and it all should be looked at and analysed and considered. But again, you know, stating this is and this is what happened, well, ultimately, I don't know. I wasn't there. You know, as I said, it's another one of these rabbit holes we can go down, which ultimately leads to argument. You know, what we do know about the 9-11 attacks is that the official lie, uh, the official story is a lie. It's impossible. And that should be the focal point, I think. How about this stuff about, uh, we talked about this briefly earlier, but all this talk about Hillary being some kind of pedophile, could there be any truth to that? Wouldn't surprise me at all if there was a huge trial trafficking uh, ring happening through Haiti, has been suggested. All the evidence suggests that this is absolutely true. Um, whether she's a pedophile personally, what she does, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about her personal life. You know, people will tell you she eats children, she's a cannibal, all sorts of stuff. I don't know, I don't know. I mean, often people will embellish these stories to the point that they become unbelievable. But you look at the, the, the Clinton Foundation's involvement in Haiti, you look at the hospitals that have been set up there, you look at the child trafficking that goes on there, um, you look at the organ harvesting, all this sort of stuff. You put it all together and all of the pieces of the puzzle point to the Clinton Foundation and Hillary Clinton being heavily involved. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's another one. It depends on how far you want to take it and how much you want to embellish it. I mean, ultimately, we don't know. Um, but there is every indication that she is heavily involved in child trafficking out of war zones and that all these children are trafficked through Haiti. Oh, yeah, that is... Uh... I don't mean to uh, make accusations or anything like that. Of course, we we don't know. We're just speculating. But uh, boy, what a what a dark idea that she she has all this power and could be doing something so sick behind closed doors. It's just it boggles the mind. Well, when she was Secretary of State, she set up all the means to do it. That's the thing. She set the whole network up. And when you think about it, you think about DynCorp, you think about it, you know, all you've got to do is get certain people in key positions and get them on board. And you see the, the companies that have been set up and the, the um, shareholders of those companies and where the profits go and how it all works, how the money is laundered, who gets the profits from things. Um, it all makes sense. It, it makes sense that it was Hillary Clinton who uh, smuggled the, um, what was it, the X, X-26, or I can't remember the actual number, the certain plane smuggled the plans to Russia or to North Korea. So it, it's very, or China, it's one of them. But it's very likely that she did that as well. I'm a bit vague at the moment, but um, it's very likely she's been involved in all sorts of espionage. And she set up a situation when she was Secretary of State whereby she can now destroy a country. She doesn't even need to be part of the government to do it. What about... Trump and his wall, what do you suppose the purpose of all of this 
wall talk could be. Is this just a big distraction, perhaps, to get our eyes off of the Middle East or off of Syria or off of the things that go on that we might be opposed to? Well, it's another it's another savior program. It's another character hang out in front of people. You know, we need secure borders. Immigrants are the problem. All this sort of stuff. Look at all the problem overseas with the immigrants. Immigrants, you know, we'll we'll build a wall around the country and stop that. But you know, is that even going to happen? You know, I mean, if it doesn't happen, then what will his presidency be worth? Because he was kind of elected on that premise. That was the big thing everyone wanted. They wanted the borders secure. So. But it's it's a carrot. It's a savior program. Even building a wall around the country. What's that going to do? Is it going to keep them out? Is it going to keep you in? You know, you got to look at all this stuff. I mean, and when you 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 think about what we were talking about before with the isolation of America, the one belt one road system, what will happen if the United States loses um, its position as a global reserve currency? Do you really want a wall around the country in that sort of a position? What about all of this? socialist sort of talk. Uh, you hear the term democratic socialism thrown around quite a bit. Is socialism something that we should be worried about, or is it perhaps a scare tactic? Is is this just another tool to divide us? Yeah, I think it's just another tool to divide us. I mean, I don't, I don't do isms. You know, socialism is not a good thing. It's not what we want. Um, it, I think it's just another scare tactic. Even even democracy, we don't, we don't even need democracy. Democracy is mob rule. You know, America was never founded as a democracy. It was founded as a constitutional republic, and that's what it should be. You know, all countries, if they're going to exist at all, should be constitutional republics. Um, yeah, I think it's just a scare tactic. You keep people against each other. Like all these movements that they start, it's just all about putting people against each other, finding a club for people to belong to, and putting them against the guys in the other club. Yeah, I have to wonder because it does seem like some of these same people were behind some of these um, socialist revolutions and other types of re revolutions throughout history. Oh, yeah. It's all the one thing. It's all the one play. You know, divide and conquer is the motto, brother, and it works wonderfully, and they use it against us every single day in every manner that they can. Including race. Oh, yeah, race, football teams, you know, TV shows, news anchors, channels, whatever, everything. You know, I like Channel 7. Oh, I like Channel 9. You know, I like this news anchor. Oh, I like this news anchor, you know. I like reds. I like blues. You know, I like the, the Red Sox. I like these guys. Yeah, it's all, it's all tribal stuff. It's all, you know, appealing to our tribal nature and divide and conquer. It's all about divide and conquer, the whole thing. Speaking of, is there an Illuminati behind this all? Well... This is an interesting question. I mean, there's a banking cartel who, who people refer to as the Illuminati, the puppet masters. I mean, it's usually the Bavarian Illuminati they're talking about, the banking cartels that are running all governments, that are running this war on terror and leading the world into this one-world system. You know, and even a one-world system, a one-world system would not be so bad if it wasn't economically based. That's the problem, is that it's, it's a one-world central banking system which is basically a one-world system of debt slavery, and that's basically who, what we would call the Illuminati is. But a lot of that is theatre as well. It's to create the impression that there's this all-powerful hidden hand, and no matter what you do, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, so it creates that thing in people's minds. And if these people, it might only just be a few people, if they control the movie industry and you know the media, then all they've got to do is put a few pyramids and 
eyes and a few things sitting around the place so that you're going to think they're all powerful and there's nothing you can possibly do about it. So, you know, a lot of it is a meme. It's a disempowerment meme. I mean, sure, there are a group of people who are planning things and there are people who make plans and, and plans that are put in place and the world goes in a certain situation. Absolutely, it's all controlled. And that's who they would be. But they're not as powerful as everybody thinks. You know, it's, it's our belief that they are this all-powerful entity which creates them as being an all-powerful entity. Without that belief, they can't exist. So, you know, it, it's another interesting thing we can, we can look at and debate about. Um, but it's, like I said, it's a, it's a meme. A lot of it is a meme. They exist, but they don't exist to the extent that people think they do. I hope this rain isn't messing things up too much. Can you hear the rain going on in the background? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I definitely hear it. It's not too bad. It kind of reminds me of one of those nature relaxation tapes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty full on here. Yeah, I might have to sample that later and make some music with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put it on, a, put it on a, a sampler, yeah, and play, play tunes with it. That'd be good. What about this whole 5G thing? How much trouble are we in with 5G? We're in we're in deep shit with five G. Um, we are. It's it's very bad. It's very very bad. It's an active denial system that can be used to basically microwave us if they want to. Um, you can target individuals with it, and just the fact that it's up and running anyway, it's just bad. It, it kills insects. It disorients birds. You know, it's it's changing the environment. It changes the cell structure of food. Um, we try growing food next to a, you know, growing plants next to a 5G router. You find they don't grow very well. It's, it's just a very, very bad thing. And we don't want it, and they're rolling it out anyway. Um, but it's an active denial system more than anything. You know, we, we don't need to have this amount of bandwidth and this amount of speed and all the stuff that they're saying it can have. Um, it's just really bad. I mean, I can't, I can't stress how bad this stuff is. It, it really is. It's next level bad than what we've what we've got now with the with the amount of environment pollution we've got now the amount of electromagnetic pollution we're swimming in now it's about to take it to the next level. See with five G like with the system we've got now it's kind of a a wide spreading out wave. You know you pick up your phone and you dial a number. You're just picking up on the ambient waves in the air. But with five G when you dial a number or you get a call the nearest tower sends a direct line straight to your phone a direct signal. So it's a very, very narrow band, and it's a very uh, intense band. So you're subject to so much radiation simply by answering a call, and these little 5G boxes will be sending these direct signals out everywhere to everybody who's on the phone. It's bad. It's really, really bad stuff. And like I said, it can be also used for active denial, like microwave weapons, um, sound cannons, microwave cannons, burn your skin, all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's just bad stuff. Now, current cell phone technology, even what we have now, it's not exactly safe, is it? No, of course not. None of it's safe. None of these wireless um, technologies are safe. You know, when you think about the ambient background noise, the ambient frequency of the Earth, it's around about 7.2 cycles. You know, everything that exists in nature exists from around zero to about 10 cycles. Yeah, and this stuff is up in the thousands of cycles, billions of cycles, millions of cycles. So it's, it's really bad. It's very, very bad for us. You see the insects that have disappeared just since we've had 4G and 3G and 4G um, wireless technology around. 
Yeah, the, the disoriented birds, the, the um, skyfalls of birds just dropping out of the sky, insects disappearing, crops failing, all sorts of stuff since we've had this technology. Now, this is an electrical universe, an electromagnetic world that we live in, and we're affecting it in very, very adverse ways. And 5G is taking it to the next level. You know, it's not just this same bandwidth that we've been using. It's a whole new ballgame, 5G. And uh, people need to pay attention to it. There's a lot of steps being taken to stop it. There's a lot of success people are having in stopping it. But if people aren't willing to get involved in their own communities, well, it's just going to go ahead. So people do need to pay attention to it and realize what it is, and they need to get involved in it. How are they slipping this under our noses? Well, by keeping us distracted with everything else. Trump, the war on terror, Yemen, flat earth, whatever. You know, just keeping people arguing about everything. It's like I've, I've said, I've, I've kind of used the analogy of, um, like everyone's been scared of the New World Order and scared of all this stuff. So it's like you're in a house and you've got this pack of dogs which is trying to get in your house. And you're so intent on boarding up the windows and keeping the door barricaded and making sure nothing can get in the drain pipes that you haven't noticed the lice that have crawled in under the door and are crawling across the carpet and are about to start crawling up your legs. And at that point, the dogs will go away because it was never about the dogs. It was always about the lice. And people just aren't noticing it. It's being slipped in under the carpet. People are using the tech under the guise of convenience, you know, their mobile phones. They're taking them everywhere. People are addicted to their mobile phones, the dopamine, you know. And they're, they're putting their whole lives in these phones for their banking, for their maps, for everything. You know, I mean, I've got a phone that I use to make phone calls on now and then, and that's it. I don't use it for anything else. But it's people's dependent on the tech that is uh, leading them into this, this uh, smart grid. And before they know it, they're going to be limited in what they do. They're going to be limited with social crediting. They're going to be limited in their purchasing power, depending on their political opinions, on their travel ability, all sorts of stuff. And at that point, there's not going to be any appeal process, no one they can turn to to fix the problem, because they didn't notice, because they were just distracted with all this stuff. That's what I've been trying to tell the, the flat earthers, is that very soon, you're not going to be in a situation where you can even research flat earth, because you're not going to have access to the internet because of your political views, because you're going to be fine that you, you're locked out, because you didn't pay attention when you had the chance to. You know, there's a train coming, there's a train coming. You're in its headlights right now, and if people do not stop arguing about the shape of the tracks, this train is going to hit them head on. There will be no warning. It will be sudden, and they will have no one to blame but themselves. When you think about it, our phones, they not only have video cameras in them, but also listening devices and GPS tracking devices. It, it seems like we've given them everything to get up in our space. Well, you have. They can turn your phone and your camera on at any time, even if your phone's turned off. If there's three phones in the room, they can triangulate the room and see how many bodies are in there. You get a good layout of the room, like a sonar, you know. So, yeah, that's what they can do with all this. This is why the new batteries, the, the new phones that you get, the new iPhones and things, you can't take the batteries out of them because smart people were taking the batteries out of their phones when they wanted to have a private conversation. Now you can't do that. The only thing you can do is maybe put your phone in the microwave or put it in the fridge because that's a Faraday cage. Don't turn the microwave on, of course. Just put it in there. And um, then you won't be able to um, be, be um, under surveillance. But that's about it. I just ask people to leave their mobile phones outside when they come to visit me so they don't bring them into the house. Oh, so you actually have a no mobile rule in the house? 
Well, I, I like it that way. I don't like people to bring their phones in here. But I'm, I'm kind of fortunate as much as I don't get very much reception where I live anyway. So even if they do bring their phones in, they usually find that they've got no service. But, you know, they might have no service for calls, but I still wonder whether the phone is able to listen. I mean, maybe I'm just a little paranoid, but I don't, I don't really like being around them, no. Well, I can't help but be very uh, cliche here and think about one of my favorite books, 1984, where there were listening devices everywhere. Yeah, well, that's where we're going, and that, that's kind of where we are now. I mean, in 1984... A lot of people think he got the date wrong. I don't think he did. I think he got the date right because that's when all of this started to come about. That's when CERN invented the Internet. That's when this whole technological future was born around about 1984. And uh, I think he got it spot on. And if you, if you look at where we are now, um, with even with the words they're taking out of the language, changing the genders and all this sort of stuff, you know, it, it's all heading to that, that 1984 situation. It's like a cross between 1984 and Brave New World. You know, roll them both together and um, give it a, a big dose of steroids, and that's about where we're heading, I think. How do you see things looking, say, um, let's give it a good while, 30 years from now? Well, it's going to depend entirely on us. You know, there is a huge awakening happening. I have to admit that there is. Even with all of the infighting and all the division, um, there's a huge awakening happening. The stuff that's been surfacing recently about history, the lost nation of Tartaria, all of this sort of stuff, is really having an impact on people. People are starting to realize how quickly history has been changed and how recently we were actually living in a very different world. So... It's, it could go any direction. It really could. We're in, we're in a position now where we're almost reaching a critical mass. And, you know, I've really been trying to bridge the gap with the flat earthers and the globe earthers lately. I'm, I'm sure there's probably going to be a bunch of them that are offended by stuff I've said today on this interview, but they shouldn't be. You know, I'm, I'm not against the flat earthers. I'm just against the division that the argument creates. And I'm, I'm really tired of being trolled and people asking me to take a side on an argument that I don't support either side of. You know, but I've been really trying to bridge that gap, and it's sort of working to uh, some extent. I'm seeing a, a lot more unity with flat earthers and globe earthers now. And to their credit, a lot of flat earthers have done some pretty good research. So if it's inspired that in people, then that's a good thing. So you know, we're at a position now where we're kind of walking on a knife edge, and we could go either way. If the division and the infighting continues, then we're doomed. But if we can get some form of mutual respect and create some sort of an alliance of defiance against this system and simply stand up and say no, then we have a very uh, real opportunity for a very positive future. You know, and even when you look at such things, if you start looking at um, even the Vedic texts and Indian um, legends and stuff like that, you start thinking about the concept of the yugas, you know, Kali Yuga, Satra Yuga, all this sort of stuff, Kresta Yuga. We're kind of in Kali Yuga right now. We are kind of in our... Iron Age in our most um, barbaric um, stage at the moment, and we are due to come out of that Iron Age in a couple of years. We're due to go into our Bronze Age, according to the Vedic text anyway. So according to that, then we are about to head to a place of um, conscious um, progression, conscious enlightenment. Whether it's complete enlightenment, I would doubt that, but we're certainly on the upward path according to things such as the Veda. So that's very encouraging. And when you see the amount of um, conscious awakening that is happening in the world, if we can just put this division down, perhaps we could be in a very, very 
bright future in 30 years from now. It's, it's really anybody's guess. But again, even looking at the, um, the concept of them hiding history and changing history and some of the things that have very likely happened, um, there's every indication that the Earth may possibly even go through some form of cataclysm every two to 400 years that we simply don't know about because there's kind of evidence of this lying all around the world when you look at the lost cultures and lost civilizations that are lying around the world. I mean, something happened to um, remove these things and to hide these things and to destroy these civilizations. It's whether these things happened thousands of years ago or whether they happened hundreds of years ago is the question. And there's every indication they happened hundreds of years ago. So I mean, even in that, I mean, if there is some form of cataclysm, they'll perhaps that would remove the ruling hand as well. Perhaps it might remove a, a bunch more people other than the ruling hand, but you know, I'm, I'm sure we would progress from that point anyway. So it's really anybody's guess, brother, but I'm hoping for a bright future. I feel in my, in my soul that we can create a bright future if we'll just pay attention. So I'm, I'm going with that one. I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to be a good world if, if we choose to participate in creating it. Are the Illuminati themselves hiding advanced technology? I think so. I think that uh, the technology they're using now has, has been here for a long time. I think they've just filtered little bits of it out to us. Um, all the mobile phones and cell phones and computers and all this sort of stuff, I think they already had it. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the UFOs that we see, uh, these people as well, that these are quite earthly, these UFOs. And I've seen UFOs myself in broad daylight, so I know they're real. Who drives them is, is the question. Uh, you think of the concept of underground bases, these huge dumps that are around the world. It's very unlikely that they were built in, in our lifetime. It's very likely they already existed. Um, if you look at some of the remnants of lost cultures and lost civilizations around the world that are reasonably like us as well. I mean, there's remnants of these cultures even in North America. You can find areas where there's old telegraph poles in places that shouldn't be there. I mean, these are old poles from the 20s and 30s, they look like, in places that don't look like they've ever been populated. So what are they doing with the electrical grid there? Perhaps it's from the previous civilizations. So, you know, it's, it's anybody's guess. I mean, I think that they have major technology and that they just feed it out to us in dribs and drabs. They create what looks like an industrial revolution and they just they tell us that's what happened, and they give us television and gradually lead it to a point where we can see it all growing, and we can just accept its creation. But even when you look at it, go back to the 60s and look at, um, or the 50s and 60s, the invention of television, and look what we've done since then. And look at the technology we've got now in the last 50 years. Who thought all this stuff up? What, just the smart people? Really? Is that how it happened? Because they're so smart? I mean, yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of pretty bizarre. I mean, stuff we've got now is stuff that would have been considered magic when I was a child 40 years ago, 45 years ago. So in 45 years, we've managed to create this incredible technology. Uh, I don't think so. I think it was already there. I don't think it's possible to create it this quickly. Could they be getting some of this stuff? through occult sort of magic or perhaps from aliens? Well, they could, but, you know, what is, what is magic? Magic is simply technology that we don't understand. Even if uh, it's real magic, even if it's um, stuff that, that people can just think and do, well, that's inner technology that we don't understand. It's all technology. As I was saying, as stuff that we've got now, when I was a kid, it, it would have been perceived as magic. 
to have a mobile phone where you can see this stuff. I mean, this is like something out of Flash Gordon, you know. So, um, yeah, you can actually see video pictures of people and talk to them in real time and wirelessly and all this sort of stuff. This is stuff out of science fiction. So, yeah, I mean, it's said that by singing certain words in Sanskrit, you can change the color of a candle flame. Oh, wow. You know, if you, if you look at frequency and what we can do with sound... Think of the concept of sound healings. Even the old organs has been healing music, music for your organs. Um, what we can do with sound, what is, Royal Raymond Rife was able to heal um, all sorts of uh, incurable diseases simply with the application of light and sound. So you think about it, and you think about languages such as Magyar, which has um, 48 letters in the alphabet. Um, they, they would suggest there's even... Um, if you look up Magyar, you'll say that it's suggested that Hungarians are extraterrestrials because of the complexity of their language. It's like the language was composed by a group of linguists who figured out the most perfect language you could create to express every single nuance of human emotion. You know, I can in, in Finnish and stuff, which is a derivative of Magyar as well, I think, I hope I don't offend any Finnish people, but uh, I, I think it is Finnish, because they say that, that Hungarian is derivative of, make, of, of Finnish. So, but if you look at that, there's like 50 different ways to say snow in these languages because of all the different types of snow. So when you consider all of this stuff and what is, is possible with words and what is possible with sounds, even uh, not getting religious about it, but look at look, things like the Quran. You never speak the Quran. You always sing the Quran because it, it isn't important what the sounds what the words are saying, it's what is important is the frequency that you're generating. Okay, so perhaps they have some understanding of this. You know, and when you think of, of language of being as being sound and, and and what language really is, and you think of the language we use, which is all spelling, spelling words, which are spells, and our understanding of reality is based on our understanding of the language rather than our our emotional connection to the sound. You know, so You've got to look at all this and think, what have they done? What have they done by confounding the languages and by dividing the races and all the stuff they've done? And you can even find that, that Magyar, the root of Hungarian and Finnish, is all related to Sanskrit as well, apparently, so I'm told. So, you know, it's, it's very, very significant what they've done. And um, the technology that we've got and the inner technology that we had, I think... Uh, this was this was our, our form of sustenance. This is this is really who we are. And if you take someone's language from them, they have no real comprehension of who they are. Take someone's language, take someone's history from them, and they lose lose track of themselves. They lose sight of their their real inner being. It's a terrible terrible thing to do to people, and that's what's been done to us, unfortunately. Um, I might have got off a little bit track a bit track there from the uh, the original question, but. Uh, Oh no, it's yeah. it's a fine. I absolutely love this stuff. I mean, there's there's just so much mystery there, and there does seem to be uh, some kind of place where uh, the worlds of magic and technology come together. But what do you suppose? Um, I'm sure you've been asked this before, but w what do you suppose the pyramids are, or, or what were they meant to be? The the great pyramids in uh, in Giza. I don't. Um I don't feel comfortable around the pyramids in Giza. Um, what they were, I, I don't know. I mean, everyone could speculate on that. There's all sorts of ideas being put forth. I firmly believe they were poured like concrete. Uh, they're like a, a type of geopolymer. There's actually a steel in, uh, near Zahir, near um, northern Egypt, 
in elephantine, which tells how to manufacture synthetic limestone by dissolving limestone and mixing it with, with ground aggregates and stuff. And I would suggest that was how the pyramids were, were created. But I don't feel comfortable around them. I don't think they, they serve any good purpose at all. But then they're not the only pyramids. I mean, there's far bigger and far more pyramids in places like China. There's pyramids all over China that most people don't even know are there. Millions of them. Well, not millions of them, but hundreds of them. A lot of pyramids all over China, huge pyramids, and quite quite big. They're the largest pyramids in the world are in China. So, you know, they're everywhere. But all of this is, is indicative of a lost culture. Um, if you look at the culture of Tartaria, look at the culture of, of Atlantis, which we speculate was there. Um, this is a culture from northern Africa. Um, I would suggest the pyramids came out of the Atlantean culture, and that, that was the culture that spread around the world and created... Um, most of the, the buildings that we're seeing around the world now, some of the very old buildings and churches in all of our countries, this belonged to a, a single culture that I, I believe existed right around the world up until quite recently. Are these elites or Illuminati, could they actually be using mind control technology from the Atlantean age? Well, they're using mind, techno mind control technology from some ways. They're certainly using mind control technology. Um, just the television and the education system is mind control. Everything that they're teaching us is mind control. Yeah, I mean, whether they're doing it through frequencies and stuff, I mean, I don't know. Um, but they're doing it through fluoride and, and things like that. I mean, whatever the pyramids did, I think that they're, they're broken now. They're not functioning. They're not, not doing what they used to do. Uh, too much stuff has been removed from them. Um, what that was all about is another question. But yeah, they're certainly using mind control against us. Just turn on your television and look at the media and go and listen to a class at school. There's your mind control. And the whole concept of sound, it, it really fascinates me. I even remember reading something that there may have been an ancient people that used sound or singing to actually fly some sort of airship. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I wouldn't be surprised if they used sound to manoeuvre large blocks, uh, blocks of stone, simply by changing their vibration. It wouldn't surprise me at all if that's how they moved the blocks in Baalbek, the large blocks in Baalbek. Again, with the pyramids, I don't think they moved any blocks there at all. I think they boxed them up and poured them. But there are places that have cut stones, such as Baalbek, and I think these stones were probably levitated using sound. Um, sound can be used for healing, sound can be used for growing things, sound can be used for all sorts of applications. I mean, when you really look at reality and look at physicality, break it all down to its component parts, get down beyond the atoms, what you have is photon light and phonon sound. That, that's all that actually exists. I mean, everything is made of that. So, yeah, I mean, sound is, is very, very significant. Even if you want to get religious about it and open the Bible, the first thing in the Bible is, was the word, i.e. the sound. You know, there was a, it was a sound that was uttered that brought reality into existence, according to religious texts even. So, yeah, it's, it's very, very significant. Sound, sound is, is hugely important in our lives, which I would suggest is why they changed the key of music a couple hundred years ago from like 420 or 432 or whatever it was up to 440, just to make sure that all the music we listen to now is slightly discordant with the ambient background of the earth. Because if the music is in tune with the ambient background of the earth, then it can be healing and provide sustenance for us. And they've taken that away from us very, very deliberately, I would suggest. It does seem like the music industry itself is one of their major pathways to 
controlling us, uh, certain celebrities, musicians, singers, whatever you want to call them, like Katy Perry, Miley Cyrus, even going back to Madonna, it seems like the music industry has been one of the main tools that they use to uh, social engineer us. Oh, absolutely. They weaponized music back in the, in the 40s, in the 30s and 40s, they weaponized music and it just got worse and worse. And really is, it's weaponized is, is what it is. It's, it's, it's used for mind control, it's used to create sexual promiscuity, to divide the sexes, to create transgenderism, um, to break down the family unit, to put the, um, the kids against their parents and divide the, the, um, the whole family so people don't respect their elders anymore, to exalt the youth. You've got to be young and beautiful, you know. Um, don't worry about the old fuddy-duddies, you know. Things like the who, you know, Gener- my generation, hope I die before I get old, you know. All this sort of stuff, it was all, all weaponized, and it started back in the 30s and 40s, you know, with the sexual promiscuity and all this sort of stuff designed to, you know, have as much sex as you want, just don't have babies, you know. So the more sex people have, the less children there are, because that's the way our society has become. It's, it's all about go have as much sex as you want and be really open about it and have as many partners as you want, but you don't want to have children, you want to have a career and all this sort of stuff. So... It's all about um, division and depopulation. The music industry has been hugely instrumental in that. Uh, yeah, and uh, w- one thing I find interesting, uh, I should preface this and say, I, you know, I, I totally support gay people and gay rights and, and marriage and all that stuff, but I don't know about some of the stuff where you see the, the seven-year-old or the nine-year-old and they're already switching genders. Uh, th- that seems a little strange to me. What do you think of that whole thing? It's child abuse. I mean, a child doesn't have any concept of sexuality until they're, they're 12 or 13 or something like that. I mean, they don't have any concept of what they're doing. And you can teach a child to be anything you want. It's like, like play acting. Um, it's child abuse. It's absolutely child abuse. An interesting thing, you know, I've found, I've got a friend who lives in Bali. And he says, um, he looks at the way they birth their children in Bali. Um, they're birthed in a loving environment. The placenta is, is left on, the umbilical cord is left on to drop off. Um, they're loved by the whole family. They never touch the ground. The children, they're passed around from, from family member to family member. The child is, they never touch the ground for the first three months of their life. And then they have a whole ceremony where they, they put their foot, the first time their foot touches the ground. And what is the bottom of your foot called? It's called your soul. So the first time your soul touches the ground, and they have this huge ceremony for this. You look at a Western child, you know, you're born into a hospital, you're, you're born, you're ripped away from the mother, your umbilical cord's cut off, you're given a slap on the ass, and they whack a vitamin K needle into your butt straight away. It's, uh, it's, um, it's um, trauma-based mind control right from the start. And you look at the, Bali's in, uh, the, the, the babies in Bali, and there's no homosexual children in Bali. There's no homosexual people in Bali. Very, very few. Um, and I think it's a lot to do with, with the childbirth and the way the child is reared. And the way they do it in Bali, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. This whole um, nurturing of the baby for the first three months of its life and the ceremony the first time it puts its soul on the ground. It, it's quite an amazing thing to see. And it, it, it completely, the very, very supportive families, um, no, no infighting in the families, very loving, very supportive of their parents, supportive of their children. Everybody gets along great in that sort of a society. Just a different way of rearing their children. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Wow. I had no idea. Never heard any of that stuff. That, that is very interesting. Uh, what about history itself? We've already kind of touched on this, 
But how badly has it been altered? How badly has it changed? Is what we see in the history books, what we see in the movies and on PBS, is that really an accurate portrayal of the history of the human race, or was it vastly different? I think it was vastly different. I think that what we've been told is, is completely fabricated. I would say that history for the last 100 years is about 25% correct. And prior to that, prior to about 150 years ago, it's all fabricated. Um, I don't believe there was any Roman Empire anymore. I can't find it on any maps. Any old maps you look for, see if you can find me the Roman Empire. You can't. You can find the Ottoman Empire. You can find the, the Turkish Empire. You can find all sorts of empires over the over the ages. You can't find the Roman Empire marked anywhere on a map. Um, Rome had no navy. How did they conquer the world with no navy? There's all sorts of things wrong with it. You look at the Etruscans, everything that's attributed to the Romans actually comes from the Etruscans. Um, I think it's all been fabricated, and they've done that in order to create the timeline needed to justify a government in its current form and to push all these ruins that we find around the world back a 1,000 years into the past or 2,000 years into the past and provide the excuse for them to be all around the world. Oh, it's just the Roman influence. You know, They, they came to Australia here. They bought all these Roman government buildings when they first arrived because they just liked that style because England was based on the Roman rubbish. These buildings were already here when the British arrived. There was a worldwide civilization that existed, and they created the whole Roman Empire to cover that up. And that's a really shocking thing for a lot of people to come to terms with. They get a lot of abuse for even saying that. But that's just the way things are leading. You know, I've travelled a lot, and I've looked at a lot of stuff around the world, and none of it's made sense. And recently I found a book by Anatoly Fomenko, a Russian um, professor, who suggested that the timeline is wrong. They've added at least a 1,000 years to our history. And it totally resonated with me. And he's not the first person to say it. Isaac Newton said it. A couple of other people have said it in the past. They've changed history. It's wrong. There was no dark ages. And it all makes sense. When you factor in the fact that they've changed the timeline, the possibility they've changed the timeline, all of the mysteries that we find around the world all begin to make sense. The reason all these ruins are here all around the world all begins to make sense. You look at things such as the, uh, the foundling trains, the orphan trains, Stuff that I've addressed on, uh, recently on shows, the, the way they um, repopulated the world with children around about the late 1800s, 200,000 children per annum shipped across the United States, 100,000 children per annum brought out to Australia, New Zealand and Africa, around about 435,000 children shipped around the world in one year, you know, 45,000 children brought to just two hospitals alone in Florence, Italy, and there were 1,200 hospitals in that city at the time, so... You know, you look at all this, there, there was some event that wiped out most of the population and they repopulated the world with children and they taught them whatever history they wanted to teach them. And I'm completely convinced this is what's happened because that's what all the evidence suggests and there's really no other event you can, you can find or no other hypothesis you can put forward that explains the, the current state of the world and explains all of these events that happened that we know happened quite recently. So... Yeah, I think all of our history has been fabricated. I think it's been done for a reason. You know, like I said earlier, you take away a person's history, you take away their language, and it's, it's like a tree with no roots. You don't know what freedom is if you don't know who you are. You, you don't know where you come from. Then, then how can you ever find your true spirit or who you are? How can you ever really know anything about yourself or your people if you don't know your history? Uh, yeah, that that Roman thing, my God, that that is so explosive 
But when I do think about it a little bit, I do kind of see where that could be possible because I do know that the Romans borrowed heavily from other cultures, especially the the Greeks that supposedly came before them. Well, yeah, but actually it was the Etruscans. And what you'll find is if if you look at Etruscan, I'll tell you this is a insignificant little culture that didn't do much and their language can never, ever be translated. But it can. Anyone who speaks Slavic can read Etruscan. It's just a Slavic language. And the Etruscans did everything that we're uh, attributing to Rome. All the roads, the pottery, the laws, all the stuff that they did, the iron, all this stuff that is attributed to Rome, the Etruscans did it first. So they just wiped the Etruscans out of history, attributed all that stuff to Rome, and then created the Roman Empire, pushed it back 2,000 years to justify the existence of government. I would suggest that all the stories we hear of Caesar and all this, all these Scaligarian stories, most of these are Shakespearean inventions. You know, and Shakespeare even, I would suggest, was, was not William Shakespeare, it was the Bacon Society, so, you know, nothing is what we're told. And even when you look at Fomenko's work, he suggests that um, Jerusalem is actually Moscow. I don't know whether I agree with that, but that's what he suggests. And if you look at the writings of Ulysses, Ulysses talks about sailing to a green island west of Greece. And the only green island we can find west of Greece is England, and Ulysses named this island as being Syria. So that's what I mean. History is all messed up. We just have no clue. And an interesting part about that is if you go and look through Syrian history, you can find a story which parallels the story of King Arthur to a T, which is actually a real story that exists in in Syrian history, which has been translated and moved over to become part of English history, an English myth. And it's even suggested that English history doesn't exist and was stolen from Tartarian history. So we have no clue what's going on we really don't and until we can establish some form of freedom we're not going to know you know i would suggest that all the text the, the real history probably still exists somewhere perhaps in the vatican vaults or whatever but until we can put all this stuff down with each other and and stop buying into this theater of politics and create some sort of groundswell in this um alternate media independent media and stop hacking each other down and, and ripping each other's throats out we're not going to get anywhere you know, we have to establish freedom, and, and we have to find out what the truth is, and we have an opportunity to do it. So hopefully that's, that's the direction people are going to take. Hopefully people are going to see that this history thing is really important, and it, and it is something that can unite the people and uh, stop the infighting and, and hopefully lead us to a direction of freedom, you know? Another topic that pops up so much when we're talking about the past and hidden history the entire topic of giants, which I find really fascinating. What do you feel? How do you feel about that? Were there giants? Were there giants that walked this earth in the past? It's quite possible. It's quite possible for there to have been giants and dragons and everything. I mean, anything's possible. It's what we know. You know, it's, it's when people say, "Oh, yes, there, there were definitely giants." I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, I would suggest that, yeah, it's absolutely possible. You know, and I think they tell us all this stuff as well. Um, you know, like, you, you know, Game of Thrones, you ever watch Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah, you one of my that, favorites, for sure. Well, you think about Tartaria, you know, and the Tartarians, um, and this, this culture where they had free energy and possibly dragons and giants and all that sort of stuff, and then you got Game of Thrones with the Targaryens, who are the, the rightful rulers, who are the, the queen of the dragons. And all. They tell you. They tell you all this stuff in these things. You know, Tartarian and Targaryen, you're going to change one letter, you know. 
They, they tell you. I, I think that uh, giants are a real possibility. I think a lot of the stuff that we hear about in myth is, is a real possibility. Uh, and even when you look at some of these myths, you, the Norse myths will tell you that the North, the North lands were frozen by the ice giants. And you can find maps from the 1600s which show Greenland and Iceland, all free of ice, quite well mapped, mountain ranges, rivers, all that sort of stuff. Now they're just huge chunks of ice. So, yeah, anything's possible, brother. I don't rule anything out. I've got a very, very open mind with all this stuff. Are you open to the idea of ancient aliens? I'm open to anything. I'm open to the idea of ancient aliens, but I can't prove it. I don't know, but it's a possibility, absolutely. But where did they come from? Did they Were they extraterrestrial or... Did they come from other lands beyond the poles we don't know about? Did they come from the hollow earth? Is the earth hollow? I mean, do they come from, are they multidimensional? I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities. There's all sorts of directions we can go. Uh, it's a hypothetical, but yeah, I'm, I'm open to the possibility for sure. How about David Icke and his whole reptilian theory uh, could there be truth to that, or could this be another one of those things to kind of distract, divide, and get the truth movement to kind of look like crazies? Well, either one. I mean, that's, again, you can go either direction. It depends on what you choose to believe. You know, you look at the concept of the archons and the Gnostic texts. So that, that indicates that it's quite possible. And, yeah, I'm open to it. Um, I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's disinformation. It could be. You just got to, you got to use your discernment with all this stuff. I and mean, something about David is a lot of the stuff he says is spot on. Um, he he is definitely able to predict what's going on in the future and the moves the government is going to make. Um, whether the reptile thing has been put there to create that air of incredulity with what he says to keep him safe, or whether it's disinformation or whether it's true. People have to use their discernment with that. I mean, I can't, I can't make the call on that. But yeah, I'm open to the possibility. I, you know, belief is the enemy of knowledge, and I'm not going to close my mind off to any possibility. Um, I'm just going to allow the truth to unfold the way it should. And I think if people keep an open mind and use their discernment, then we will get to the bottom of this. But you've got to be prepared to put your belief systems aside and and let anything be possible, because anything could be possible. How about? Alex Jones, he's probably the guy that gets accused of being some sort of disinformation artist the most. Uh, do you feel he has any legitimacy, or is he just a puppet? I think he's a puppet. I, I think he's a puppet. I mean, he, he gives you a lot of good information, but he's, he avoids a lot of good information as well. Um, I think he was part of the fishing exercise when 9-11 happened get out there and scream fear and get all the people involved, and then he disappeared off the scene just at the right time before the, the big lockdown is coming. So they kind of got him out of the picture and kept him safe just before they started really going for people. I mean, his whole deplatforming thing, it just sort of showed you, yeah, well, this is what we're going to do. But he's kind of faded into the background now. He hasn't really poked his head up much. You don't hear much about him. I mean, I'm sure he's still doing things, but he's certainly not this major force that you used to hear about every day. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's controlled at all. I, I just, he's definitely a sensationalist. He's definitely a profiteer. He's made a lot of money out of, of selling fear and doomsday to people. And um, he's avoided a lot of very, very important issues. So he's not someone that I trust at all. And his following, they can be very rabid if if uh, they, they see anybody attacking him or accusing them. They, they will rush right to his defense. So he kind of has a little inbuilt group of people that kind of protect and defend him as well. 
Yeah, well, you get that. That could even be a tribe of bots. You never know. Now, uh, talking about this control grid again, I'm curious. Do they want to do what a lot of the uh, the the Christian folk believe? Do they want to chip us or uh, imprint some sort of mark of the beast on us? Well, yeah, they've already done that with the cell phone and and. Yeah, with the look at the nanotech in the food, the nanotech that's being sprayed in the skies, they don't really need to chip us. You know, we've already got enough tech inside us that they could probably control us that way anyway. Uh, you look at some of the patents of mind control, how they can intercept, um, they can intercept your thought process, they can intercept your hearing, intercept your vision, they can do all sorts of stuff to you now anyway. So, I mean, it's possible, but I think a lot of it is is fear mongering. I think a lot of it is is um, designed to keep people waiting for this thing that isn't going to happen. It's, it's like the, the analogy of the dogs and the lice again. You know, there's other ways they can do it. Everyone's waiting for this chip to come. Well, the chip hasn't come yet. I'm still safe. No, you're not. You're eating nanotech. You, you're doing all this stuff. You've got your mobile phone on you. You've got your credit card. You're doing all this stuff digitally. The credit card is the mark of the beast. It's not the chip. So, you know, if you're shopping with your credit card and you're using your cell phone to do everything, well, you're already there. They don't need to chip you. Yeah, that is a very good point. I suppose I never really thought of it that way. The whole chip thing could just be another one of these manipulations so that we don't notice when they're doing everything else and worse things. Yeah, exactly. That's why they put out all these dystopian movies all the time, you know, all this dystopian future. And we can look at the movie and go, well, we're not there yet. We're still safe. <laughs> no, we're not. Yeah, it's no, not that bad, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting, the programming people. It's something I've noticed with British people as well, the programming. It's something I say to you when you, you ask a, a, a pommy, a, a British guy, how they are, they'll say, oh, not too bad, you know. That's a common common response in England, not too bad. I always say, not too bad, huh? Well, how much worse would it have to be before you would actually want to do something about your surroundings, you know? But it's like a program they've got. It's not too bad yet, you know. <laughs> it's interesting the way we're, the way we're controlled in so many little ways. Manipulated by the language. So I was saying the other day, the Allies in World War Two, all lies. They tell us. They tell us what they're doing. Allies, all lies. You know. Oh, that's a good one too. I have not, I have not heard that one, but so very true. It seems like the uh, victors definitely wrote the history. The more I look into the events of World War Two, the the more I realize that there's so much of it is just propaganda. Oh, it is. All of it's propaganda, brother. All of it. How about chemtrails? Are they a big part of this control grid that's coming? That's another one of those issues that you can debate all you like, and, and people, they either believe it or they don't. I think, I think they are. I think that they're very real. Um, I never saw any persistent contrails when I was a child. My father ran an airport. Um, and the soil analysis and more analysis that we've done show um, excessive amounts of barium, strontium, aluminium, all sorts of stuff. They can only be coming down from the spraying in the sky. So, yeah, I think they're part of it. I think that's how they're getting a lot of nanotech into people, and that's how they're causing a lot of crops to fail. It could be about weather manipulation as well. It could be about blocking out the sun. Um, but I don't, I don't believe in global warming either. I think we're actually in a mini ice age at the moment. I don't think the poles should have any ice on them. Um, I think the world should be a lot warmer. I think they're trying to prevent that from us going back to more temperate climates that we should be. And in regards to this, these elite or Illuminati, we know that it does have some kind of pyramid structure. 
or some people might compare it to a web or an octopus. Do you have any theories on what or who could be at the top of this pyramid? Could it be Lucifer or Cthulhu or maybe aliens? Any theories on that? Look, these are sorts of like these are issues that I can theorize on all day. I I, I can't prove any of it, so um, that it could be any of the above. You know, it's what we see, what controls things. What we really see, like the Bavarian Illuminati per se is the banking cartel. But is that the full controlling hand at the top? Well, I would suggest not. There is something beyond that as well. You can look at the whole Jewish control of things that, that, that people get into as well. Um, and even that, I mean, the, the, if you look at the whole Jewish control of things, the usurious monetary system and all of that sort of stuff, if you think about mind control, the Jews were the first people that it happened to. So you can't really blame them because it's all mind control. It's, there's only people here. You know, it's just all people of different skin colors and, and come from different places. But all of this programming that people have got, even if it is these people who are doing all these terrible things behind the scenes, it's because they're programmed to do it. So it's what caused that? What caused that programming? Was that aliens? Was that archons? Was that some hidden hand that, that existed, that, a country that we don't know about or whatever? I mean, you can speculate on this all day and still not get any closer to the truth. And in reality, it doesn't really help anything. And I, I really try to avoid putting out my idea of who they might be because if I do, people are going to say, oh, well, Max said this. And no, no, I didn't say anything. I didn't make any claims at all. Uh, even if I speculate on who I think it might be, people will take that as gospel. He said this, you know. And that's why I just I, I leave these topics alone because ultimately I don't know. You know, I can see how we're controlled. I can see how the system works, I can see who the major players are at the top, but I don't think they are the ones pulling the strings. I think behind that there is a force that we're not aware of, that, that is a, a very dark and, and very powerful force. And, and we're just not aware of who that is or what that is. And it could be any of the above. Um, you know, the problem is that people will say, well, it is Satan or it is Lucifer or it is aliens or it is the Jews or it is this or it is that, and they'll sit there and argue about it. And meanwhile, the lights are still crawling across the carpet, you know. So um, I think all of these questions will be answered by default if we ever get to a point where we can establish freedom. Now, once we establish freedom, those who scream the loudest, well, that's that's who you can point the finger at. And you do have to wonder if this is just another one of those misdirections, manipulations to get us to wonder who's at the top of this supposed pyramid when there very well could be nobody and it's just another one of these illusions. It could be. It could be simply our collective projection, our collective belief in authority and our collective need to do what we're told, which leaves the world in the state that it's in. It could be that there's nobody at the helm. It's just an out-of-control ship sailing to the edge. It could simply be that, you know, so... People have to be careful what they believe. But ultimately, we are the ones that are creating this problem due to our compliance with our own slavery and our personal belief in authority, our personal belief that we don't have the power to make any change, you know, and our willingness to step outside our moral compass because some law tells us that we have to. That's what causes the problem. You know, if we were to step into who and what we are and always comply with our moral compass and everything that we do, we could change the world in a day. And at that point, it doesn't matter who they are, who controls anything. It makes no difference. Ultimately, it's us that, that's creating this whole situation, you know. And it's the divide and conquer mechanism that's been put into our minds through everything, through the education system, the sports teams, everything we talked about before, 
all these divisive mechanisms designed to split us up into groups and split us up into different factions and belief systems and sectarian groups, you know. It, it's all a play. The whole thing's a play. Ultimately, there's just people here, and there's a choice to do good and there's a choice to do bad. And, yeah, we just have to make that choice, brother. What is it about doing a radio show that appeals to you? Um, look, I started doing this because it needed to be done. I would honestly prefer not to be doing it. I would prefer to be just living in the forest and playing guitar and smoking weed and doing what I want to do. You know, <laughs> but I, I did the radio show because I felt it needed to be done. Um, people needed to get this message. They need to hear these truths. And there's a lot of people out there like Ike Jones and all these people putting people in fear. And sure, we've got a lot to be concerned about, but there's opportunity in all crisis, and there's an opportunity for the human race to pull itself through this if we can just look at it from the right perspective. So that's kind of what motivated me to do it, um, simply because it needed to be done. But yeah, like I said, I, I, I don't enjoy um, sitting here and, and talking to the world and, and doing video editing and all the stuff that I spend my life doing now. Um, I would prefer simply to be enjoying life and growing a garden and, and, yeah, you know, doing other things. But it has to be done. I, I can't know what I know and see what I see and not say something about it without feeling like I'm complicit in creating this demise of the human species. So, you know, you get to a point where you have to speak. You know, once you know, you can't unknow and, and you have to speak about it. You know, it's important. It's important that people get involved. Do you feel like what you do could put your life in danger and how do you deal with any potential fear that that could cause? I have no fear, no stake in the outcome. You know, I'm only here for a breath. You know, ultimately I came here to die. You know, that's the only thing in my life that I, I know is inevitable. Um, and when that comes, well, that will come. You know, I, I have no fear. I have no stake in the outcome. If the human race destroys itself, well, it does. You know, I've had um, two attempts made on my life. I've had many, many threats against my life. So, um, spirit, spirit will guide me. Spirit looks after me. Spirit will protect me. If my heart is in the right place, then I believe spirit will guide me. So I, I don't even think about it. No stake in the outcome. No fear. I don't do fear. If I did fear, I couldn't do what I do. I wouldn't have had the life that I've lived. And it, it, when I look back at it, it's, it's kind of been a charmed life. And I've done some crazy shit, like really, crawling through the tunnels into Gaza and stuff. And it was madness. When I look back on it, that was pure insanity. But I wanted to do it, so I just did it anyway, and I've, I've just always done that. You know, just kind of throw myself in and think about it later, and it's always kind of worked out for me. I mean, I don't encourage people to follow my example, but, um, you know, if, if you're in your heart and you're true to yourself and you, you, you're guided by spirit, then I, I believe spirit will always look after you. You know, if, if your motivations are pure and your intent is pure, if you throw yourself to the wind, then you can ride it. And, and that's what I've done with my whole life. And, yeah, no stake in the outcome. Uh, I don't do fear. My God, that is very disturbing to hear that there have been attempts made on your life. Uh, wh what happened? Oh, I got attacked and beaten up um, a couple of years ago. And I got poisoned once. So, um, But I, I came through. It's all good. I'm here now. Do you have any hope for the youth of today, or are they too far gone? I have, um, I have a belief in humanity. I don't do hope. Hope is, um, hope is a deception. Hope is a thin soup. 
um, well, they say hope is hope is the great deceiver that leads leads um, the apathetic to their slaughter. Um, I have great faith in the human species. I don't think that humankind will be held down. Some of the youth of today, even though they're very programmed into their, their tech and their, their cell phones and stuff, some of them are incredibly smart and incredibly bright and incredibly powerful kids that I'm seeing coming up. And I think that the, uh, there's a lot of hope in the youth. I think there's a lot of hope in uh, what these, these kids will do. I think there's a lot of power in these kids. And, uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a very positive feeling about the future, and I, I remain um, having a very, very strong faith in the human spirit. And that being said, what can we do on an individual level? I know you touched on this, but I'm going to ask you again. What can we do on an individual level to, do, to make some kind of change, to make some kind of difference, to keep that light of hope, or not hope, but what can we do to keep that light of truth alive? Be the change that you want to see in the world, you know. Be respectful to people. Be a pleasure to be around. Lead by example in all that you do. And don't take a backward step to authority. Ask questions. Stand up against 5G. Stand up against this system. You know, make a difference. You can get out there and make a difference simply by asking questions, not believing that authority is real. You know, put that down and, and make a change in your local community. Be a pleasure to be around and inspire people around you by the knowledge that you've got. That's the best thing anybody can do. Make a difference on the ground where you live. You know, that's where the change is going to come. And everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. You know, we get this information and we become um, very fearful of them. We start screaming fear to people. You know, get out on a corner like Alex Jones with a megaphone. Rather than just becoming an incredibly good person and inspiring the people around you. Then they want to talk to you. They want to know what, what keeps you so up and happy. You know, this information that I've got in my knowledge of the world, I find it incredibly inspiring. It gives me no stake in the outcome of my life, and it enables me to help everybody that I come in contact with and thus inspire them to be something better than they, they have been or, you know, to see the beauty in themselves because that's what people have lost. You know, and once we, we rediscover that, then we change the world very, very quickly. So that's the best thing anybody can do. Just, just be true to yourself. Do not take a backward step to speak your truth. Don't care what other people think about you speaking your truth. And, and just be a shining light. Be, be the best person you can possibly be, and you'll change the world. Very well said. And where can we find you online? Everything is at thecrowhouse.com. I've got a, a website called The Crow House. It's a huge website. It's almost 2,000 pages now. There's nothing there for sale. There's nothing to subscribe to. It's all free. There are links going back to 2008. There's 10 years of my radio shows on there, literally hundreds and hundreds of hours of me talking. Um, there's like 360 radio shows I've done of my own radio show, plus probably twice as many interviews on there. So there's lots and lots of hours of stuff on there. There's films on there. There's, there's all sorts of stuff on there. Like I said, nothing to buy. Nothing to subscribe to. It's just a, a portal, an information portal, um, and you'll find links to all my all my stuff and all my work there, thecrowhouse.com. And how did you how did you first become so immersed in this type of subject matter? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, my parents told me we we had to buy land when I was four years old. It, it freaked me out. I um I thought I'd been born onto the wrong world. 
And then when I was eight, my mother showed me a picture of the pyramids and told me nobody knew how they were built. And so I just became addicted to ancient history and trying to find out what happened. So it's just been an ongoing quest for me. I got kicked out of all my high schools. You know, I got kicked out of four high schools by the time I was in third year of high school. And um, so I gave that a miss and became a musician, lived on the outside of society and spent my life exploring the world. Yeah, it's just been an ongoing quest ever since I was born, really. Ever since I was four. As soon as I figured out it was all messed up, I wanted to fix it ever since then. Are people able to contact you through your website? Yeah, yeah, there's a contact page there. You just click contact, send me an email. Don't expect to reply too quickly, though, because I'm getting so many emails. I'm getting like two or three hundred emails a week. It's very difficult to keep up with them. Understandable. Yeah, it's been kind of getting a little bit like that for me. I'm still uh, small, but I definitely know what, you talk, what you're talking about. You just can't get back to everybody. But is there anything that you have coming up that we should know about? Uh, look, I'm speaking at Acapulco in February in uh, in Mexico, uh, in Acapulco. I'm doing a gig here in Australia in Coffs Harbour on January 18. But I've, I've um, not booked any gigs at all for next year except for in Acapulco. I just, I just want to have a year off travel. I've been travelling so much the last um, five or six years, I, I really need to have a break from it. So um, I plan on staying home and working on my films next year, but I do have the gig in Acapulco. In February, I'll probably be up in LA for a few weeks, maybe a month after that. Maybe I'll do something small in LA. Uh, if I do, I'll announce it on the website and I'll announce it on the radio show. But uh, no real plans for next year, only in Acapulco. So if anyone wants to come and catch up with me, that's the place to do it. Okay, awesome. Uh, anything else? Is there anything else at all that you would like to plug or anything else that you'd like to say to my audience out there? No, just don't give up and always believe in yourself and, and don't think that we can't get through this and don't buy into the division. You know, be careful what you believe. Belief is the enemy of knowledge. You know, allow everything to be there. Consider everything. Believe nothing. Don't fight with other people over your beliefs. The, the people you're fighting with are your, your allies. You know, we are, we are all working together against a common foe and if we can put our division down, we can address this situation very, very quickly and very easily Now's the time to do it. We're at a real opportunity here, so let's put all our stuff down, agree to disagree on the finer details, and turn and face this system and, and heal this world. Now's the time we can do it. And thanks for having me on, brother. Pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. It took us a few tries, but we finally made this interview happen. It's been incredibly fascinating, and I sure as heck would love to catch, you, catch up with you in the future. Yeah, happy to, brother. Happy to come on any time. There has been a few technical problems. We had the power outage, and then I had my computer hack. And Yeah, but it's, it's good to finally catch up, and we'll do it again for sure. Yeah, and, and just having that little bit of resolve and both of us wanting, to, wanting it to happen, it really makes all the difference. So I, I definitely appreciate you being patient with me, and I definitely want to talk to you again in the future. But until then, thank you so much, Max, for coming on the program tonight, and I, I, wish, you, uh, I wish you a wonderful rest of your evening. Thank you, brother. My pleasure. Talk soon. Bye. And that was Max Egan. So fascinating to talk to him. He's somebody that has been so requested for me to bring on this program so many times. 
it is just mind blowing that I even am such so lucky of a person to be able to talk to somebody like that. <laughs> I just am humbled by it. But what I want to do now is I want to take a little break. I need to stuff my face. I need to tinkle outside. And I do have more to talk about. So I'm going to throw on some music. And I will definitely talk to you guys in about 15 minutes. Welcome Welcome, welcome back to the show. Yes, it is I, Daniel, broadcasting to you all the way from that shimmering emerald city right here in the heart of the Pacific Northwest. Oh, man, I just ate some corn dogs. I ran inside, I took a pee, and I fixed myself some delicious microwavable corn dogs, which just so happened to be one of my favorite delicacies. All I needed to do was pour myself a little mustard, and I was in hot dog heaven. I think corn dogs in general are very underappreciated, probably because they do have hot dogs inside, and hot dogs supposedly have all kinds of things in them. All kinds of things. But do you know what I think is inside of a, do you know what I think is inside of a hot dog? Goodness, splendor, wisdom. Heaven is inside of a hot dog. Oh, I have a few things to talk about. I'm not going to go super late tonight. It is a work night. Boo! Boo! Daniel, you said five hours every time. Boo! <laughs> yes, I will go long when time is permitting. What? Someone's calling. Okay, let's see. Hello? How are you doing? Doing great. Well, I've been listening to you for a couple of months. Found you on a, a website um, that does all paranormal, but I really like the name of your show. And so I'm waking up, uh, and I, I didn't know you're doing a show tonight. And I turned it on just to hear your guests leave. How long does it take you to post those to the YouTube? You know, this one was a little bit different, mainly because mainly because my guest is located on the other side of the world. So it was a little hard to fully get connected like we did just now. It took multiple attempts. So I didn't want to keep announcing the show because I was going on social media and announcing it, and I was getting the crowd gathered, and then I was disappointing them time and time again. So this time I decided to just not hype and hype and hype and just do the show, and then I'll get it released uh, probably later on in this week. But this way I don't keep creating all kinds of awful disappointment. <laughs> Well, I, I was streaming you on my phone, and as soon as you answered, my uh, computer shut down, my phone shut down, everything shut down. So maybe we're being listened to. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I was getting some strange anomalies on my end as well. It seemed like my audio equipment was not picking up the way that it should, and I find it strange that that would happen to both of us because, like, what are the chances of that? I mean, it's got to be one or the other, right? Usually. Well, I've got my phone shut down. I'll, I'll switch over to my computer now. But I, I thank you for uh, bringing the information that you do. And, and what was your uh, name? Keep it up the good fight. What was your name? My name's Don. Don. Okay, nice to meet you, Don. And where are you calling yeah. from? Um, Greeley, Colorado. 
Oh, Colorado, the, the Rocky Mountains. Uh, well, really, he's not quite in the mountains yet. But still, Colorado, an exceptional place to live. Yeah, we're real close to a lot of good stuff here. Do, do you uh, do the pot? I don't. Do your friends do it? Um, I'm 54, so um, I'm not in that kind of a crowd, but it's, it is legal here, and um, I don't think it's made a difference in uh, anything other than kind of decriminalized a lot of people, which I was for. Well, you're waking up. I love that. So, I love that you're yeah, waking I, up. I love I, that. I love that you just said that. So I, I did send you a, a message that you read on the Smiley Face mur- Murderer too. You were reading one of my, my emails to you. Oh, you're that but Don. I'm that Don. Oh, okay. Excellent. I love that type of feedback. Uh, was there a particular show that, that I've done that has stood out for you? Is there a favorite that you have, perchance? Um, the last one that you did was probably my favorite. Oh, with uh, Gregory Blessing Jarrett. Right, on The Atheist. And uh, I've gone back and listened to his other two broadcasts. And uh, he seems to be a pretty good guy. Excellent. There's actually a total of four of them. So if you haven't heard that hidden one in there, I'm not sure which ones you've heard and which ones you haven't, but there's actually four of them, and they're all just jam-packed with incredible knowledge. He is quite the guy, quite the author, and like I was saying when he was on with me the last time, he really has kind of a revelatory style of writing. Yeah, with the, the all the books going at the same time. Um, oh, I do have a question for you about Flat Earth. Sure. Uh, I got my sister really upset about that, and uh, she was saying, well, anybody with an education can't even interpret that it's a flat earth. So <laughs> um, I don't know where to turn. I really don't have the, the information or the skill set to uh, present it um, intelligently. Um, there was a video I watched, uh, Flat Earth 101. Are there other uh, resources out there that uh, kind of hit the high spots better? Yeah, and really, some of the Flat Earth stuff, the sad thing is that it could actually, some of it's so hokey and not very well thought out, it could actually make you not believe in Flat Earth, so it can have the opposite effect. But what I really recommend for everybody out there to do is to go on YouTube and look around online and look up a guy named Eric Dubay. He's he's really one of the uh, most intelligent sort of Flat Earth resources, authorities, and he can really hold his own in a debate, which a lot of Flat Earth people can't really do. They kind of sound sort of dumb. They can't form good arguments, but he could stand toe-to-toe with anybody, and he's one of the people that has really kind of turned the corner with me and getting me to actually uh, have an open mind towards the whole concept of Flat Earth, which I thought was totally ridiculous, like most people think. Well, absolutely. I, I, I'm where you're at. I have an open mind. I, I... It doesn't matter whether it's flat, whether it's round. We're here. We're here for a purpose. And uh, some things we don't need to know. Uh, how about this for a kick in the ass? How about the fucking demons are actually aliens? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's possible. But how about this? What if the aliens are demons? Uh, uh, I wrote a song 30 years, 40 years ago about how 
I'm just traveling around through space. I come across the planet. I see a life form. Yeah, I think I want to be that life form for a minute. Go down to that planet and be that life form. Then when I die, I just leave, go somewhere else and pass my planet. Hey, I think I want to live a life as that animal, that being for a little bit. That's the norm. Certain aliens have set up a soul trap on this planet so that when you go down that tunnel with the light at the end of it, you go into their little soul trap and then they force you to reincarnate here so that they can use your energy to keep the matrix going. That seems like it could be true. There does seem to be some energy theft going on. That I believe in. And they set up the whole belief system here with the angels and the demons as a control tool to keep people under control to keep them to keep going to trick them into going into that tunnel with the light at the end of it. Now this is something I've, I've also heard about, Al. I've heard that the light is a trick that it it will it'll just keep you going in the cycle and actually the light is bad and you shouldn't go to it. You're confirming this. Yeah, it's a reincarnation soul trap. You go down the tunnel to light again, and they use these religions to, and after death experiences, to get people to go in, and then they use fakey holograms of your dead loved ones to get you to go in it. Yeah, I, I've, always, I've, always, I've always been a firm believer that once you die, you can go anywhere in the universe you want to be and be any animal you want to be, any creature in any planet. Then I got caught up in the angel, demon, god, devil, fucking bullshit. And then I started doing some research and found out that it was just, all of it's just a trick. Yeah, I mean, I'm not doubting that. I'm not doubting that that could be true. But why does it have to be aliens? Why couldn't it be demons from another dimension, from another plane that are doing all the exact same stuff, all the exact same stuff, except instead of calling them aliens, we call them demons from demon world. I've been having this debate with other people on Facebook. Demon, reptilian, alien, whatever you want to call it. They're all the same entity. So maybe it's There's dumb a- for us to argue demon versus alien. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they are the same thing. They are. Same with angels. They, 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 uh, they project themselves as angels to us to try and make us think that this heaven and hell garbage is fucking real. Or maybe maybe it is real, and the whole soul trap thing, maybe that's the disinfo. All right, well, you know what God is? The whole universe. God is the universe, and we're all little fractals of it. I could dig that. I could buy into that. That's what God is. It's every every living being in the universe is a factor of God. There is no heaven. There is no hell. There's no all-seeing being that's going to fucking control your life or punish you for whatever you do here. I am a God. No, bitch. You're part of him. Yep. Every one of us is a little factor of God. Yeah. That's why I don't get into, like, this thing where you say that you're a God because not... Everybody can be God at the same time. At best, we can say that we are God's children. Exactly. We're all his children. He didn't have just the one. 
we can't all be God. That doesn't make sense. Somehow our wills would conflict with each other, which does happen. That's why there's physical laws. Now, we'll look at it this way. Let's say that my body is God, all right? And every little single cell in my body is an individual person. Am I really concerned with all the individual cells? Or do I just care about the whole being healthy? Yeah. No, that's that's insightful. I like that. So every one of us got the single cell of the great being, or the creator spirit, whatever you want to call it. And when you die, we're just go anywhere we want, and we're just every everywhere you can go in the universe is just God experiencing His creation. Sure, but in the universe, ch- now check this out, Al. In the universe, in reality, everything is based on duality, and we know that there's a God. We know that we are God's children. But because of that, there's an anti-God and a dark God that is the opposite of God. And this is just the nothing. It's the blackness. It's the blackness that has a consciousness. And that is the opposite of God is nothing. And nothing always wants to consume everything. Are you familiar with the TV show Charmed? Yes, of course. It had, uh, what's her face, uh, Alyssa Milano and that bitch from 90210. All right, in that show, eventually they got uh, things. There's parts where they went to so-called heaven and hell, right? I never actually watched it. I would just uh, wait for it to be over so I could watch Angel. All right, right, there's an episode where they went to an alternate universe where when you go to heaven... The devil rules, and when you go to, and it's all nasty and fire and burnt, and whatever, and when you go to hell, it's all flowery and happy. Okay. That's the opposite of, that's like the opposite of what you were talking about. Like you go, in this universe, you die, you want to go to heaven, not hell. In the other universe, when you die, you want to go to hell, not heaven. Because they're hell, they're, they're heaven. In that universe, everybody's all nasty and mean and evil. And if you go to their hell, then you have to be all happy and peace-loving. So, that's what you were saying about the opposite. God and all that stuff, you know. That could be a reality. Or on one side of the, one, one side of the dimension, you're wanting to go to a happy heaven, the only place that we call heaven. And if you're on the opposite side of the mirror, your heaven would be hell, as we see it. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah, yeah. And another way you could look at it is God exploded and became everything. And God is trying to become perfect. And by God wanting to become perfect again, instead of reforming as one god he's become all these little gods that instead of becoming one perfect god go through this whole like growth or evolution process where they end up being perfect gods one day themselves and then they explode it's kind of like mormonism well there's an isaac asimov story where he talks about how what you're saying god exploded and sent all the pieces all over the universe and then at the end of the universe, all the pieces finally come back together. So I can start over again. 
Yeah, kind of like the Big Bang. Yeah, that's that's the beginning of the universe. That's God spreading himself there, all, just kind of expanding all over the place. And then we spend all our lifetimes trying to get back to the source so that at the end of the universe, we can all become one again as God. Well, you know all, you know all that Jesus stuff, right? All that Jesus stuff? Yeah. The truth about Jesus Christ was he was a black man. Uh, that's not true. Do you know any Jewish people? Sure. Jesus was a Jew, right? Yeah. Every Jew I've ever met has got white skin just like mine. Every single one. Well, those are common. You can't go by the... I mean, you can't go by the Middle Eastern, this new philosophy where he's a Middle Eastern person. He had dark skin, I'll say, like the Arabs. Because those are Arabs. Those were not Jews. You can't fucking make Jesus into a black man just because he's from the Middle East. Because, like I said, every Jewish person I've ever met has white skin. Everyone. Unless they're converted, you know, like in Africa or other places where people have dark skin and they became well, Jewish. Well, let me ask you something, Al. Um, what religion were those people before they converted to Islam? Uh, you talking about before Muhammad came along? Yeah, exactly. Arabs, Bedouins? Maybe. Muhammad came from the Middle East, right? Yeah. And all those people are Bedouins. All the Arab people started off as the Bedouin people. All of them? Pretty much. Maybe there was some other stuff going on, like stuff that you would see back in, like, Sumeria. Dude, shit's getting so freaking crazy now. I found some stories this week saying that fucking first Europeans were black people. With white people featured, but they had black skin. Just a bunch of misinformation fucking the left phone out there to get everybody all fucking Well, that, that's probably not true, but if you look at where all that stuff went on, what color were the people that lived in that area? They were black or they were brown? Yeah, but you know why they were black and brown? Because the sun did that to them, because they were in a sunny climate. All right, here's a good one. You go over to Spain, you go on along the coast, everybody's got dark skin because it's real sunny and everybody likes to go to the beach. You go inland into Spain, everybody's got white skin. Because they don't, because they get more clouds and stuff like that inland as opposed to the coastlines. Or it's because all the poor people live next to the beach. I know that you go to Spain and most of the people who live on the coast have dark tan skin and probably over eons and over centuries and centuries and centuries, if you're in that climate all the time, then your skin will eventually just start pigmenting that way. Yeah, I mean, I I have some relatives that something like that looks like it's happened to them. They just look awful. There is good information. This girl in California, she was a, she was a Hispanic girl. She just had, like, the light brown skin. She uh-huh. went to Hawaii and came back two weeks later and looked like a black woman. Well, Literally. yeah, I mean. She got so tan from being in Hawaii that she looked like a black woman instead of a Hispanic girl. The thing is, though, if you even have a little bit of color in your skin, if you go out in the sun, you're going to tan. If you have no melanin in your skin, you will just burn and turn pink. Right, that's like the Irish people. They burn easily. But... However, once you get once you get that first burn, then you start tanning. Like you're saying, 
first thing people when they go out in the sun they get burned easily, but once you get the first burn, then your then your body kicks in the melanin and then you start tanning instead of burning. Yeah. I think if you have red hair you actually get more freckles. Probably. A lot more. I would uh I would probably agree with that. However, I've seen black women. I've seen a TV commercial with a black woman that's got some of the freckles. Hey, Al, let me ask you something. Do, do you know, do you have any information what's going to happen in the future? Uh, uh, well, here's, let me tell you a little story. I was, uh, I think it was my 27th birthday. It might have been my 28th. Uh, I went to my buddy's house. Didn't have no pot. I went down the store, I bought me a six-pack of Beck's Dark, then went over back to my buddy's house, started pounding those, then a bu- another buddy of mine showed up, and he had some pot, we started getting stoned, and then another buddy of mine showed up, and I said, hey, dude, I just got back from the Grateful Dead concert, I got a sheet, anybody want something? Oh, hell yeah. Everybody said, hey, it's his birthday. Said, oh, shit, so he handed me the sheet first. I said, here, take whatever you want. And on the sheet with a skeleton on his knees praying. So I filled off three doses. The front of the top of the skull, the back of the top of the skull, and uh, that, the bottom back of the skull, right? Left the face and the rest of the skeleton on there. I said, here, dude, I'm going to take a head trip. Well, I got so freaking high after doing that. There's some Grateful Dead LSD. I got so high that all I could do was just sit there and smile. I was, I was so high that just sitting there with a freaking huge ear-to-ear smile on my face. I said, and then one the dude that gave it to me walks up and says, Hey dude, we're just a figment of your imagination. <laughs> Within seconds after the saying that I watched my whole life flash before my eyes from the point I died until that point in my life. You know how they say when you die, you watch your whole life pass before you in three seconds? Uh huh. I watched my life flash before me in reverse from my point of death back in from my point of death backwards to that point in time where I was at when my buddy said that. So basically, I got a download of everything that's going to happen from that point in my life all the way till I die. Now, all that happened in three seconds, so I couldn't walk, you know, nothing registered in my conscious brain. But I know that my subconscious still picked it up. So I know a lot about subconscious, uh, the mind, subconscious mind. I knew that my subconscious picked it up. So, I thought, oh, well, I didn't really register any particular stuff in my life, but... I still had the download of everything from my death backwards to that point, and I'm just kind of following that trail through my life now. So in order for me to access that, I would have to be hypnotized. I do know everything's going to happen until 2046, however, because it happened so fast, I'm not going to, I don't have any conscious recollection. I think that might have happened to me before, because I, I took some... LSD, it might have been mushrooms, I don't remember, high school was so much fun, but uh, I remember that I was super high, and I was kneeling by my cabinet, and all of a sudden, I started seeing, like, all this end-of-day shit going on, like, I saw the Antichrist, I saw the Beast, I saw the False Prophet, I saw all of it, and then it was like, I just sort of forgot it, or, I don't know, I it happened, I remembered Going through it, I remember it happening, but I don't remember the details. I think a lot of that has to do with our uh, upbringing and the stuff we're programmed here. Like, you remember that uh, movie, Look Who's Talking, when the babies are talking to each other? 
You ever seen that? Oh, yeah, those were some great movies. Yeah, that shit's real, dude. Babies communicate telepathically with each other. But after about the age of three, you start getting programmed by this place, and you start losing those abilities and memories of your past lives and stuff. So once you get once you start getting older and you get programmed by the programming here, you know, the Judeo-Christian lie and all that shit, that just starts thinking in so that when you do have these type of uh, visions, you might see what's really going to happen, but you'll also see the shit that your mind wants to see because you've been told this is what's going to happen. So your mind kind of plays tricks on you. Huh. Like, I was all stuck in the whole Judeo-Christian thing. I was going through this Christ stuff and thinking I was Jesus and all that crap. And then, freaking, I'm, I was still doing my spirit quest shit, and I'm watching TV, and these people on TV would tell me, well, this is God and this is Jesus. And I'm all, really? I'm supposed to be Jesus. How the fuck can you be Jesus? And then they started telling me stuff about how they tricked me into staying here on Earth while they took over heaven and shit like that, right? And that there was that was the devil that, that tricked the Son of God into giving up his heaven or giving up heaven to the devil, so the devils could have it. You know, because we we're told that's what Satan wants to do. Wants to kill God and take over heaven, right? Yeah. You remember that story, right? Oh yeah, sure. That's the entire. That's the uh, war in heaven. The um, Lucifer waging war against the gates of heaven with a third of the host of heaven. Right, because that's what we were told is supposed to, or what, what, what the whole thing's all about, shit like that. And then I, these people started telling me that eh, we fucked you, dude. We got heaven. You're screwed. You're out. You don't get to come back here, shit. And we took over heaven. All the devils got heaven. And fucking, we're we're gonna fucking make it our way, the way we want it, shit like that. And I thought, okay. Whatever, and then I found that book, War in Heaven, uh, The Invisible College, and started reading that. And because they were trying to tell me something about, I have a gold stash that they're trying to get in heaven. Uh huh. They kept asking me, "Where's the gold? Where's the, you know?" They tell me that they took over heaven, and stuff like that. And they're all, "Where's the gold? Where's the gold?" And all, <laughs> you ain't gonna find it because it's in Grandpa's attic, and they don't know who Grandpa is. Like, let's just say that I was the son of God. I'm just, it's still hypothetical, right? Let's just say that I am the Son of God, Jesus Christ in the flesh, and then God would be my father. Who's God's father and mother? I was going to tell me, yeah, well, you ain't going to get my gold because it's stashed in Grandpa's egg, and they didn't know who Grandpa was. I'm all, you're supposed, you tell me that you're God and his son, Jesus, and you don't know who Grandpa is? Wait, 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 wait. no, wait, hold on a second. I can't actually, I did explain that earlier. So when you die, you, it's, it's Mormonism. You become God when you die. Uh, I've been exposed to that. I don't, I've never followed any of that crap. But that does explain, like, who's God's father and mother. That explains how that happens. And I think it's a pretty darn good explanation, personally. Well, check this out. I grew up here in Salt Lake, and I was exper- uh, exposed to this Mormonism shit. I moved to California for a while, and I came back. All of a sudden, they're telling me Mormons have horns and all. I never heard that before. How come I didn't hear that when I was growing up? And then I started hearing stuff that my mom, she's LDS, and she's telling me, well, God lives on a planet on the other side of the galaxy called Kolob. Well, excuse me. According to my Urantia book, God lives at the center of all things on the Isle of Paradise. 
And Earth shall know God lives on a planet called Kolob. Well, that would mean he's an alien, right? No, this is how you explain what God is. God is everything, but he is the finest, most absolute layer of everything. He's just the beginning of all things. Exactly. See, you believe in God. Yeah, I believe in source. Yeah, see, oh, 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 see, it all comes out now. Well, see, I started reading that War in Heaven in the talk book, and it was explaining how freaking Jehovah, the Jewish God, and Jesus, his son, were actually people that lived on Earth, and they had souls, and then they went to that soul trap thing up into the upper astral planes and started claiming to be God, and everybody started believing them, and they're just charlatans. They tricked a whole bunch of people into thinking that they were God and His Son. There is some kind of truth truth to that. There is some kind of truth to that. And that would explain these people on my TV telling me that we're God and His Son and we're in heaven. And you don't get to come here because we fucking kicked you out because we took we weren't God and His Son until we fucking tripped your ass and had given up your fucking power or whatever. Well, hey, listen, uh, that invisible college that you that you talked about. They talk a lot about Aleister Crowley in that. Yeah, a little bit. Basically, the idea is that if you want an example of one of these, uh, shoot, what what do they call them? A soul, you know, where it's like a soul group where they're all gathering together. All right. That's yeah. What happens when you get in that holding pen? That's your soul group. People yeah. You're within the holding pen when you got sucked into the tunnel with the light at the end of it. Well, basically, the whole idea is is if you're a follower of Aleister Crowley, for example, you he, even from beyond the grave, he's got all these people sort of venerating him and feeding him energy. Right. When you die and you go into the holding pen, he's your god. Yes. Let's just look at, look, at, look at the holding pen as like a cattle yard. Have you ever seen a cattle yard? You familiar with their layout? They got a whole bunch of different holding pens. Yeah. Yeah, just think of heaven as that, and whatever particular date or whatever person you follow his uh, theology or what belief system, when you go through the tunnel of light and end up on the other side, you get stuck in a holding pen where that individual is your God. So the Christians go into a holding pen where, well, it's like when I was growing up, all this time, everybody's telling me Jesus is the Son of God. Now all of a sudden, everybody's calling Jesus God. They're not calling him the Son of God, they're all saying he is God. Uh, you know, that's just people that, they love Jesus so much, they're just getting too carried away. Exactly. But I'm just saying, when they die, and they go into those holding pens, they're going to be in a holographic heaven, where Jesus will be their God and Master. Well, the people that are like that, those people them. don't have the truth. They're too rigid into one sort of thing. Right, well, that's what the alien is set up so that everybody has their own particular blue system, and then they got these theocrats posing as these gods. So theocrats. That when you die, you go to the and then, yeah, theocrats, that's what they're called. You know, like aristocrats, but theocrats, theological crats. The- theocratic societies. Yeah. Where these theocrats are these fakey gods, but they're just posing as gods. They're not real gods, they're just posing as a god. And because you believed in that, so when you were down here on Earth, when you go into these fakey holographic heavens, 
you see that individual as God, but that's not really God. That's just aliens got it all set up so that you can get trapped during this reincarnation feedback loop garbage. The, the thing is, though, that that pretty much invalidates, like, all of Crowley's actual workings, his magical rituals, his beliefs, the age of Horus, and all of that stuff, which does seem to be true in some way. That would conflict or invalidate it. Mm-hmm. But they've got everything so ingrained in our society that freaking... And they keep themselves so well hidden that they can't, you know, it's almost impossible to find out the truth here. Unless that's, unless that's your goal in life is to seek the truth and the real meaning of life. That's what I did. But see, when I was, I was, these last 15 years, or after around 2002 or something like that, I started getting attacked by these invisible beings and shit like that. And the more they attacked me, the more I just stood up for myself. Like, oh yeah, fuck you too. You know, I didn't get, see, they use fear to control you. That's what this whole hell thing and all that's about. They use fear, like even, like you last week was talking about heaven and how, how, how can that be a soul trap? Well, if they tell you that this is what it's going to be like, then when you die and you find the tunnel with the light at the end of it, then that's just designed to get you to go into the tunnel. Well, I'll... You know, they, you, I, I hate to cut you off, buddy. I hate to cut you I hate to cut you off, buddy, but I gotta go. I'm it's getting late. I'm so sorry. It's all good. My phone's getting ready to die too. Anyways, I'll just I'll call you in before call in before I my phone died. I want to ask about that MPK mini. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, text me about that. I'll uh I'll uh, tell you, give you what I know on that whole thing and talk to you about it. Well, like I said, I bought it and got on the video how to download it. It kept telling me to assign this to that program and assign this to this other program, pick a program to assign it to. And I don't know computers enough to know what I'm doing there, so I just said, screw this, and took it back and got my money back. I'd rather deal with a, computer, a synthesizer that's everything's on the synthesizer. I just got to plug it in my mixer and play the stuff that's already in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm moving more in that direction. I, I like how you can... Um, learn how to use a particular instrument rather than uh, have a, a computer in front of you. It's not quite the same thing. Hey, at least you're not doing GarageBand, dude. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> GarageBand has made it so that any fucking dumbass with zero talent at all can create halfway fucking decent music. Yeah, it's. I think it's a neat program, but... Uh, I, I think that those synthesizers and things like that are making a huge comeback. So there's a big whole scene around it. And people buy up that old 80s stuff, like the old keyboards and synthesizers from the 80s. They love that shit. I still got all mine from then. All my gear, except for these new TV Viper amps that I've been buying. And a couple new guitars I bought are all from the 80s. Well, right on. Uh, we'll talk to you again later, Al. But you have a good night. All right, YouTube. See you later, Dan. Later. Peace out. Peace. That was Al. Pretty interesting call there. Couldn't help but keep him on the line. Al, he, uh, hold on, let me get some damn water. I'm so sorry. Okay, that wasn't exactly water. 
Oh man, I hate this squeaky ass chair. I had it for years. But uh holy shit. What a great show. But the thing about Al, when you pick his brain, it'll take you to some far out places. And I get a lot of feedback on Al, and people tell me that they enjoy him. And they want to really explore what he knows, and they want me to pick his brain so that we can find out things, interesting things, to share here on End of Days Radio. So that's what I'm doing. I'm giving the people what they want. That's what I'm all about, giving the people what they want. I mean, hey, maybe Rome wasn't real. Who knows? (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I'd like to think that if you want to be a good ruler, it's all about getting the people to approve of you, right? And that applies for a lot of things, including including entertainment, including being on the radio. And that's not to say that you act like everybody's bitch and you just do what everybody says. Of course not. But you got to try to think, like, what do people really want to hear? People want to hear... Great fucking interviews and awesome information. People want to hear about ghosts, goblins, witches, vampires, gray aliens, reptilians, shadow people, demons. They want to hear about magic. They want to hear about some goddamn Harry Potter shit. They want to hear about Cthulhu. That's what we are about. And speaking of Rome, holy shit, that sounds like shit. I figured maybe I could use my can of soda as a percussion instrument, but that did not work at all. Because it's time. Hold on, let me grab some sort of instrument. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for that mind-blowing moment of the day. Holy shit. You're blowing my mind, man. You're blowing my mind. Holy shit. (laughs) So I sort of spoiled this one. (laughs) But the whole no romance thing, that was my mind-blowing moment of the day. Luckily, because I screwed that one up, for whatever reason, perhaps there is a god out there. I actually made a backup mind-blowing moment of the day for today. And I want to say that that was when Max told us about the Sanskrit word that can actually change a flame's color. How trippy is that? That is so cool. Holy shit. My God, that is so cool. Can you imagine that? That That is magic. Wow. It's kind of like Dune, right? Where a word could kill somebody. I love that that would be reality. I love that. By the way, the Seahawks are doing rather well this year. I think that that's something to brag about. 
Buddy, what's going on, Daniel? Just hanging out, just chilling. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. Is the mind blowing moment of the day over? Um, yes, it is. Unfortunately, oh, damn it, damn it. I, I was getting my tambourine ready. Damn, <laughs> I missed it. Well, <laughs> sing flat earth oh, well. heads or something. Sing that one? Yeah, Flat Earth Heads. Flat Earth Heads. You know you that they lie to, to us. Lie to us. They lie anymore. to us. Flat Earth Heads. One of my all-time favorite songs, Dan. No, I'm not shitting you. Well, that song is going to go down. The, uh, serious. That song is like a an icon of a generation, 27 16 or 15 or whatever years that Wolfman made that. That's incredible. Dude, that's like part of the underground music scene, in my opinion. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Um, I mean, you know, if there's like a worldwide underground music scene, no one's ever heard the song. That's it. Well... You know, Todd, the Wolfman is coming back to End of Days Radio very soon. In fact, he very well might be on the next episode of End of Days Radio. Please, please, if he's coming on, let me know, because i got to be on that show. Or, you know, calling in on that show. Well, we do have to do a Christmas special every year. Who doesn't love the Wolfman? I love the, the Wolfman. Just the name itself. You're like, fuck, something exciting's happening if there's a guy named Wolfman somewhere. Well, fuck. I mean, I could have a show on like three days before Christmas and do our yeah. our annual Christmas end of days Special. radio episode that we have every year. Yeah. Oh, I love those. You do, you said. I do. Oh, the Christmas specials, it warms my heart. The world's so cold, and you know how Christmas time always makes you reflect on the coldness of the world and kind of draws you into your heart? You know, like, do you have a heart? Oh, of course. I think I, I, think I asked Al that today. I'm like, do you have a heart? You know what he said? No. <laughs> no. No. Okay. That, that's another topic for another day. He has his reasons, yeah. Well, it just depends. I mean, there um, is a point where I suppose I can be cold in certain circumstances. Yeah, environment, circumstances. But if I see a little bunny rabbit die in front of me, I will become sad. I'll I'll cry. I'll say, oh, wow. What a world. Um, what a world. What a world. Dorothy. Yeah. Your, your guest from, from earlier tonight, does he live in England or Australia? 
Australia. Australia. Yeah, you can tell by the accent. And then he kind of has that um, influence from the Aborigines. Yeah, he has a very cool accent. I think that if you took his accent and that rain falling on his roof and you turned that into music, that would be amazing. Well, you remember... um, Greg, Greg Lessing, Gregory Lessing, is it Gregory Lessing? Yeah. Last week, or um, he he brought up that song. How can you sleep when your bed is burning? That was an Australian band from the eighties. Do you remember that? How can you sleep when your sheep are being hurting or something? I don't remember. That song was so horrible, but ugh, it played in the eighties. Well, wow, Todd, you're I such a good remember. singer. Well, I've sang my whole life. I, I think I told you that, Daniel. Well, you you always sound like you have that extra little bit of a professional edge when you when you sing. Like when I sing stuff, it, I, it kind of sounds out of tune. You seem like you're more in tune or something. What it is is I'm a magician that has a deep interest in music. Was raised in a house, you know, that's was heavy, heavily music, musicified. My mother just exposed me to all the best music at an early age. And then I could hear their tones, their sounds. I, I don't even have to, to learn, you know, like one, two, three, four, because, because I was listening to all the classics growing up as a child. I'm very blessed. My parents had a giant stereo system that had huge speakers in it. And they had the album by Led Zeppelin that had a whole lot of love on it. I want a whole lot of love. Want a whole lot of love. Have you ever heard that song cranked up, Daniel, to the gills? Oh, yeah. That's one of the earliest hard rock (laughs) songs. Man, I was hearing that in my house on the baddest speakers. They had some really beefy stereo systems back in the 70s. They don't even make um, make um, speakers like that anymore. They weigh too much. In the 70s, we had like speakers that weighed like 50 pounds in those giant cabinets. Yeah, Maybe those were the days. Some of those. Yeah, they, they rocked. Point being, I was growing up around all that great music and hearing it cranked up real loud. And when you hear that for a number of years and you gain an appreciation for it. Yeah, when I I, I grew up, music was a little bit weird. It was very, it was like rap rock was the thing. That's just brought upon Your mom was playing rap rock? No, no. I mean, like, during my really formulative years of junior oh, high school and high school music. when you were finding music. yeah yeah the first band that i got into oh. probably because of where i live was nirvana so so that's like 1993 or four or five or what year is that well i didn't even get into nirvana until a few years after kurt cobain had killed himself or been murdered allegedly 97, 98 99 or something yeah, there you go. What was your family listening to in the background of your lives? You know, 
weren't you listening to a radio, a TV? Did you have a record player in your home? Mostly just TV watching. TV's just... going. Oh, yeah, TV. See, by, you're right. By the 90s, they'd lost the generation of playing records on in the 70s, they played records that was bigger than TV because TV sucks. <laughs> the Top Gun soundtrack. Oh, God, that's one of the worst pieces of music ever made. Kenny Loggins. Oh, my God. I used to like Kenny Loggins before he did that. Highway to the danger zone. Oh, that's such a badass song. Sell out zone. Oh, that come on. Come so on. bad, no, dude. That's a great song. So bad. Oh. That song stinks. I'm sorry. I'm hypercritical. Queen. Queen. We are the champions, my friend. Exactly. Hmm. We yeah, are the champions, never, my I mean, friend. Nope, I'm not buying it. I never bought it. Born to be kings, blah, 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 blah. We are the champions, no time for losing, because we're so incredible. No, Johnny no, there, Johnny that. there, Johnny there. I never bought that, because there were cooler people like David Bowie, Alice Cooper. Um, there were bands that blew Queen out the water. Yeah, you never... Queen played on the radio another one, Bites the Dust. By the time that song came out, their bat, their career was over. And then he died shortly after. I mean, their biggest song, but it stunk. It was corporate. It was just mass-produced and perfectly high, 1980s, horrible. Ooh. Where they were mixing rock with the new modern music. There's, <laughs> there's a few bands like... Ozzy came out of Sabbath right at the height where rock and roll was being killed by the industry. You know, Boston. Do you remember Boston? Uh, no. I oh, heard of them. Boston. Ooh, are you feeling satisfied? Come on, baby, give your mind a ride. Ooh. You don't remember Boston? Are you ready tonight? The biggest song in the world was like more than more than a feeling. Oh yeah, I know that feeling. song. Okay, yeah. I'm and coming. Yeah, I'm coming. more than a feeling. Yeah, I've heard that. And song. that's one of the baddest songs of all time. Yeah, I've heard those. That was that was 1977. Yeah, see, I, I was not even born yet. There were really cool rock bands like. There was like, uh, there was those guys and a few other hard rockers, Ario Speedwagon. Remember those guys? I heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another. You've been messing around. Remember Ario? Uh, I'm familiar with that name. Familiar with that name. It was. Everyone listened to him. Everyone was there at the concerts. 5,000 people held their lighters up. 1980. But they were the end of the rock generation. You remember Rush? Oh, yeah. Rush was big in the late 70s. 
but by the 80s, they're kind of dying out. They kind of found a new life when they introduced synthesizers to their old 70s rock sound. But, um, yeah, all those, all those bands are metal. amazing, Todd, but the thing yeah. is that uh, I think what happens is everything happens so quick in music. I mean, maybe right now it's kind of gotten weird, but if you look at yeah. what's happened from the point you started to the point you ended up at, everything had changed so quickly, so fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's and how I'll crazy why it is. I think that's going on is because notice how they started with El- Elvis Presley's like the first rock guy, and he's controversial because he's shaking his hips. Remember, they couldn't show it on TV in 1950. Yeah. Do you remember about Elvis? Elvis the pelvis. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, my God, if Americans see him shaking his, yeah, as he's hubba, hubba. killer guitar and singing. Yeah, he had, Elvis was amazing. Good. He was, oh, my God, Elvis songs, people still listen to him today. And then they sold it, you know, where girls are, like, chasing him down the street, 500 girls in, in his videos and movies. They would never allow a movie like that today, Daniel, because now women hate men. Or, or men are all bad. Or what's the what's the thing we're all supposed to buy into? The Me Too movement. Oh yeah, the rape <laughs> culture. Yeah, we talked about rape culture before. Remember that? Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. What do you mean? That was great. That was great. Yeah. It's not great. I, I don't... <laughs> it was a good debate. Well, I, I, I'm i not buying it. I'm not buying any of it. Well, I um, I understand I, I, you don't I, buy into it, but I'm just saying that it was a good, interesting debate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember, Daniel, I told you, my philosophy is if you want to know what's going on, if you, if you want to be in analysis, analysis of what's going on, always keep in mind that everything they're showing you on TV or whatever is what they want you to see. And then all you have to do is ask your brain, why why do they want me to see this? Think about that. See, that's what people don't do. Why Why are they focusing on this now? You know? Yeah, the manipulation goes deep. There's no end to it. Manipulation. There's horrible things occurring everywhere. I can give you a classy example. Did you hear about the the reporter that got killed by Saudi Arabia? Yes. Supposedly, they took him into their embassy and chopped him up. Probably tortured him before they chopped him up, too. About 15 guys. That's what they're trying to make us think happens. Um, it's an issue, Daniel. That's horrible, right? Yeah, I mean, I believe that it happened. I don't but, doubt it. But 
the thing is, is that he was uh, Saudi Arabia. The prince did it. Daniel the prince. Hey, Todd, I'm so uh, sorry. I, I realize what time it is. I got to go, buddy. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. This that thing could go on forever, too. Yeah, you I know, mean, yeah, show. I'm getting so interested. I was going to go 10 minutes with you, and I ended up going 16 minutes. So, No, that's too cool, my man. Appreciate the show this evening, and you have a good night, and rock on. All right, I'm going to talk about a few more things, but uh, I, I will definitely be back for our Christmas show, and I hope that you will be able to join us. I'll be there. I'll be there. All right, peace. Peace, peace Daniel. Peace in the Middle East. Oh, man. So, uh, people out there, you got to get off of this Q shit. Q, crossword puzzles, and stuff like that. That stuff is just, that is like, that stuff is all straight from the deep state. It is straight from the deep state. It is. It's just... Another Alex Jones. Look, go read the book 1984. Read the book 1984. Read the book 1984. That is what's going on right now. And there's a character in that book called O'Brien. And spoiler alert, O'Brien is controlled opposition. He is a... He is a complete Alex Jones. He's just there to, like, lure you in. But he's really them. And that Q shit, same thing. It's a psyop. It's manipulation. Manipulation. So, please get off of that shit. Do not buy into it. It is fake. It is disinfo. Just wanted to put that out there. And enough of this word deep state. I remember when we used to call the deep state the shadow government. I hate this new buzzword, deep state. Oh, it's the deep state. That's We're going to war against the deep state. <clears throat> what a stupid term. It's not the deep state. It's not happening... In the deep state. It's not happening in the deep deep state of Arkansas. <laughs> it's the shadow government. Let's stick with that term. This term deep state, it does not even exist. It's such a horrible description. What people are seeing is a network of people that own banks, that own all the corporations that own all the media that are also involved with secret societies that also control things from behind the curtain. That is the deep state. How is that a deep state? This is an Illuminati or a New World Order, if you want to use that term. But it's not a local issue. <laughs> so I don't really care for that term. Um, <laughs> I do have a 
listener email. So this is from a listener that sent me a message on the Twitter. He says, hey, Daniel, finished your last show with Greg, and I got to say that was a great one. However, keep in mind there are more of us than there are of them. Remember that your listeners' followers have your back. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Yes, it is disturbing when you see some sort of weird shit going on. <laughs> when you see uh strange thing strange things happening around you that money must be invested into for these things to be happening. And you have to wonder if all this stuff that you've been talking about on your little podcast here happens to be completely real. You know, when you see that sort of confirmation, it definitely takes things to the next level. It does. But hey, this is the end of days, so we don't have time. We don't have time to put up with trolls and people that are trying to stop truth. We don't have time for that. There's not enough time. We have no time for fear. We have no time for weakness. We have no time for any of that stuff because this is it right here. Whether you believe in this or that or aliens or Jesus or what, whatever sort of belief system you have, species in the ocean are dying. Insects are disappearing and those species can't be replaced. This is the end of days. And if you are in denial of that, you are in denial of the truth. Because whether humans are doing it or it's just happening through some sort of higher or lower means, nobody can deny that. And this show is about that, but it's also about other things too. I mean, we can take a break from talking about the end of the story and we can talk about what's going on in the here and now. I don't feel that the end, so to speak, is anything but a new beginning. I'm pretty sure that's universal across all belief systems. So that I think we can buy into. Also, for all of those out there that enjoy my tweeting... I do apologize, but I am retiring from Twitter. I'm so sorry. It's just become like a bane upon my life. It's become a terrible addiction. It's become extreme, like, I have no idea. It's so addicting. Especially if you have a good following. Especially if you are getting a lot of attention. But... I swear, it just gets it gets toxic on there. It does. It gets toxic. And I don't have time for that. I need to focus 100% on what's in front of me. And what's in front of me is this show right here. Yes, that is the truth. I don't have time for 
things of that nature when I should be putting a 200% into this. So I'm retiring from social media. I'm officially going to use this show as my outlet. I have no time for speaking to however many people are there when I have plenty of people that listen to this show. And I sure as hell would rather listen to a show than spend time on mindless attention-grabbing and extreme narcissism like you see on social media. And besides, with all the fucking mind control there is out there, social media is doing nothing but putting you in a box. It should be called, instead of social media, social media manipulation. Because that's all it is. It's manipulation. It's a bunch of right-wing and left-wing trolls trolling back and forth, keeping everybody distracted. Like, if you want evidence of mind control, just look at social media. Look at all of your friends talking about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. That's all mind control. It's all mind control bullshit. Beware. Also... There was a, oh man, there's so much going on. I don't think I have time for all of this. I haven't even done one news story. I suppose I could save it. Uh, one thing that I'm kind of wondering, by the way, I haven't even plugged anything that I'm supposed to plug in a long time. I've been burning through these shows and just focusing so much on content and doing this and doing that, I forget to tell you guys, go to endofdaysradio.com. Go to endofdaysradio.com. That's where the schedule is for the show. That's where all the information is. That's where you can listen to the entire archive of the show. You can listen to the live stream that goes 24-7. You can access it on your smartphone. If you need to access the stream, scroll all the way to the bottom. I always forget the most basic shit. I forget to tell people to go to endofdaysradio.com. Of course you guys need to know that. That's where the number is to call into this show. Endofdaysradio.com. And that's also where you can find my email address, which is danielendofdaysradio at gmail.com. Very simple. danielendofdaysradio at gmail.com. And... I have a very special question for you all out there, all of my family of End of Days Radio's listeners. Happy holidays, by the way. I have a special question for all of you. What do you think of sound effects in the show? Like, you know, like little Batman sounds or not quite that so hokey, but sound effects. I've always shied away from that. I've always thought that that kind of gets in the way of things and wouldn't really be appropriate for a program like this. But at the same time, I could see playing some Wolfman clips or something like that being appropriate appropriate at times. <laughs> like all of a sudden playing the uh, Wolfman Flat Earth Head song out of nowhere. 
little samples and clips of things. So let me know how you feel about that. Hit me up at DanielEndOfDaysRadio at gmail.com. I want to know what you think of that. Is that a good direction for the show? Would you hate it? Would you love it? Give me some feedback on that. It's my message in a bottle to all of you out there. (laughs) And and talk about other things as well, since you're going to take all the time to email me. Tell me what you think of things. 